This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that needs rescuing from the international break. So, here we are, in the middle of the second of three autumn international breaks, and what have we learnt? England are not as good as everyone thought they were. Perhaps if we replace the Spurs players with Chelsea players, they might improve. But of course, if we did, we all know what would happen. That's right, the Chelsea players would get injured. After this week's international matches, we've got Kante done with a groin, Kovacic an ankle, Christensen another groin, Ampadu's head, Reese James we don't know, nobody said, but they're all on the injured list, adding to what seems an injury-prone start to Lampard's Chelsea management career, although he is to blame for none of these injuries. But will it hamper Chelsea's recent upturn in form and tilt on the top four? At least we can spare Chelsea fans having to watch England tonight as the match clashes with the only podcast that matters, the Chelsea Fancast. Although I might have it on the TV in the background, just don't tell anybody. Anyway, the Chelsea Fancast number 476, International Rescue. Seemed appropriate. So there you go. Anyway, on the show tonight, we've got Mr. Jonathan Kidd, who is a bit hors de combat tonight i've hurt my leg everybody have hurt me leg doing far too many exercises did you have trouble bit... getting your leg over and uh, that would be lovely if that had been the case Chidge, but uh, <laughs> no it was uh, flexing with a weight on the stairs oh, what uh, of the gym what a mug what a dick i've yeah. been you poor old you poor old sausage I, I was worried about you i got an email from you saying you're off to the hospital and stuff i mean fl- blimey mate yeah exactly john chip chiverton says jk is on the injured list too 
<laughs> so there you go, you know. But at yes. least you've made it in, mate, you know, better than most. It's those steroid injections will keep you going, no worries. Now, um, we're, we're also supposed to have uh, uh, the, uh, well, I think possibly, well, um, he's been on recently, but we're supposed to have the lovely girl who likes bulls, also known as Alex Churchill, on the show tonight. But she seems to have forgotten or something. I don't know. We've not. We can't track her down at all. So no idea where she is. So, uh, we, but do not fear because we have. You know, we have the star of the show. Really, it has to be said. Uh, a man who, uh, well, goodness me. I mean, he, he he he's. I think the word is ubiquitous these days. He's he's got his new job at the Athletic, writing some absolutely fantastic stuff. He's been busy as hell, disappearing all over the place. We haven't had a chance to talk to him for what seems like months, but I am really lovely, delighted, happy to have Liam Toomey of The Athletic on the show tonight. Liam, it's great to have you back, mate. It's a pleasure to be back. I'd forgotten how uh, I'd forgotten how ego-boosting those intros are. It's yeah. Se- season debut for me, I think. Yeah. You you don't get you don't get this on all the other podcasts you do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> It's really good to have you back, mate, that's for sure. And and there are those of you out there who think there'll be absolutely nothing to talk about tonight. Oh, how wrong you would be. Oh, yes. Just because there's no football, you know, proper football to speak of, doesn't mean that we uh, are stuck for words. We are never... In fact, actually, I was talking to these chaps that I do the, um, you know, the Love Sports Show on a Sunday afternoon, four hours of live radio, and Paddy's the new producer, and he's, like, really worried that me and Dave Seeger... Will we'll dry up, and I said, "Paddy, you don't even have to do a running order for four hours. Me and Dave can talk for four hours about anything." So there you go, proof if proof were needed. Right on this particular show tonight, uh, we check in with the Chelsea players on international duty to see how they've done and assess what the impact on Chelsea might be for those who've been injured. Uh, in part two, the international break affords us the opportunity for another one of Jonathan's beloved half-term reports as we discuss Williams' renaissance. The need to keep the momentum going with the fixtures over the next six weeks. And with the likely return from injury of Rudiger and Emerson soon, how will we fit Chelsea's returners in? All this, plus this week's parish notices, including Pinya Luggles right back, including the launch of a brand new Chelsea podcast, which I am involved with. Yes. Uh, in part, yes. In part three, uh, we're going to read out this week's emails of some crackers this week as well, and we are going to review how things went in the first week of the Chelsea Fancast. Who knows wins match prediction league? Uh, as you may recall, last week I plugged it heavily. Uh, I can reveal exclusively that I won. Well, that's not entirely true, but for some reason I'm at the top of the list, which is all jolly good, and I won some money, and I'm happy. Uh, now, part four. Uh, we've got an interview with Chelsea fan, lovely chap, called Andy Scott. And he talks about his book that he's written, which is all about his father, who was a page at the Dorchester Ho- Hotel in London. And it's a real great slice of, of London life from the 50s onwards. Uh, his dad was a Chelsea fan as well, as far as I recall. Uh, and it's a, it's an entertaining listen. A bit different, a bit kind of non-football-y, really, in a sense. But it's interesting, if, you like, if you're interested in London and a bit of hist- social history... It might interest you and amuse you and uh, mean you don't have to, you know, watch England or whatever. Anyway, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, also known as Mixler, uh, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. As so many of you do, 
Ah, we've caught them all by surprise tonight, Jonathan. Not as many in there as we thought. I can't believe they're watching the England game. I think they just presume we wouldn't do a show because it's International Break Week. But we have some of the old trusted regulars in there, including Bob Oosray, Aussie Sign My Broken Leg, uh, the lovely Dean Mears, uh, who I both endorse and condone. Planet Earth is Blue, Disco Donny. Lovely to see you in here. John Chips Chiverton, Daniel Cabral, English Dan, to name but a few. Happy Bird, Baba Chelsea, Cheroslav, View, Loco Coco Pops, Yarin, Yarin Levy's in. It's great to see oh, so many of you in there. Brilliant. Anyway, um, you can also tweet us, of course, anytime you like, uh, at Chelsea Fancast. And uh, have a bit of a chat with us. We are available for chats at no extra charge. Now, after this very small interlude, we will be talking football. Chelsea fans, footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. Right, okay. Um, let's get things started. I mean, I'll be honest with you, chaps. I'm, I've had a bit of a. I am really. I'm struggling tonight. I think the. I think the young vernacular would have it as I am hanging. Uh, uh, it was a. It was a good show on Friday. Seventeen, Chidge. As a young person, I'm not. I don't understand. I, I don't know. Exactly. I, well, I'll resort to. Uh, I'll refer it to Mixler. They know about these things. But I am hanging. 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 Yes. Okay. And uh, I mean, good show on Friday night. We had a surprise guest on the Love Sports Show in the name of Jonathan Kidd. Um, but as a result, I managed to miss the England match because I had to drive back. So I heard it on the wireless. And then Saturday, I. I uh, I had one of my you know psycho doodah thingy bobs in the morning, uh, and then I was straight up to London, and then straight out to go and see the psychedelic furs. Got absolutely battered, uh, and then Sunday I was doing the Love Sports show. So I've not really seen any of the football, but uh, I'm very glad to say we've got Liam Toomey on tonight, who can tell us how well they've done. I mean, Liam, um, I do know enough to know that Mount uh, got a start for England. Um, and was denied, deprived of service, really, and it, it was all horribly wrong, the England performance. Barkley came on a bit. Abraham got one minute, so he doesn't go and play for, I presume, it's Nigeria, isn't it, anyway? So it was all a bit meh, really, for the Chelsea players in the England match on Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I, I have to say, I didn't watch um, the England match totally. I was, I was too busy uh, watching a movie with my wife, <laughs> I, I love it. I, I you made completely the right decision, Liam. Absolutely yeah. the perfect decision. I object to to Friday night football on on every single um, human level. As a as, as someone who who works in football, has to cover these games. I was always um, I was always pleased to have Friday night sacred, and my my partner was even more pleased to have Friday night sacred. But that's that's becoming a rarer thing, I think, these days. So, yeah, I didn't watch the England game, but I did catch the highlights. And by all accounts, um, Mount was left a little bit isolated. I think the the midfield England picked wasn't the most expansive. I think you know I I really like Declan Rice, but I think next to him you've got to have someone maybe a little bit more of a midfield all-rounder who's capable of dictating things. And I, I you know, I don't think, I, I think a lot of the criticism Jordan Henderson gets is over the top, but I just don't think he's, um, 
he's got quite the all-round skill set to to be able to do that job and, and really link play between Rice and Mount. Um, so it was a bit of a shame. And I think, you know, Southgate also deployed Mount as a 10, which is probably his most natural position. But funnily enough for Chelsea this year, I think a lot of his best performances have come when Lampard has moved him either to the left of a midfield three or he's actually been on the left of a front three cutting in. Um in, and sort of operating in the in the little in the little half spaces as as the tactical people say. Um, so I think it, it, he wasn't necessarily put in in the best position to succeed, and the others didn't really get enough minutes. So I reserve judgment on them. I think with Abraham, it was more a case of England wanted to make sure that he he is he 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 will be an England player going forward. And I think given his recent form, that that's quite an important. Move for them Interestingly, Liam Barkley played well when he came on. He looked to be contributing much more. Well, this is and, the funny and, thing about Barkley is that we, yes. me and Simon Johnson did a piece like on that about a week ago. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some bloke called David Chigi was quoted in it. Never heard of him. <laughs> Absolute yeah, I mean, fool. He, he seems to be better for England than than for Chelsea, and it and it's hard to put exactly put your finger on why. But Southgate really trusts him. Um. And it's, yeah, it, it's a funny one. I mean, he's clearly a talented player, but he just, his level of talent versus the amount of times he actually puts all the pieces together into a coherent performance don't always really line up. And I know you, Chidge, are frustrated by that in particular. Well, I am, but without kind of being as fat-headed as to quote myself, I mean, it's quite interesting, actually, because I had a good chat with Simon when he was right, you know, before he wrote it. And the thing that occurred to me... Um, because it is, it's a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Why does Barkley always look so good playing for England, and and just can't seem to get it together uh, for Chelsea? And one of the things I, I I kind of out the top of my head, I have to admit, but I thought about was the fact that actually, if you think about it, he he he's pretty well established as an England player. I mean, of course, he broke through very very early, which is when I I got very excited about him as a player. I thought, wow, you know, what a talent! And I've always felt there's a bit of the gas going about him in the way that he carries the ball. And and he do, and he is one of the more experienced players at, at England. Whereas at whereas at Chelsea, maybe there's more on it. I mean, it, it's his day job. He kind of has to succeed here. In a sense, maybe there's more pressure on him playing for Chelsea than there is for England, Liam. Yeah, perhaps perhaps that's the case. Um, he certainly, I think, has a for whatever reason has a greater comfort level playing for England. I think we we forget as well. Obviously, he's been age wise fairly experienced. At England level for quite some time, but he was out of the picture for a long time as well. Mm. And Southgate's only sort of recently brought him back. He was he wasn't really a factor under Hodgson at all. Um, so I think with with Barkley, it's it, he certainly seems to be more confident, and I think he has more confidence in in Southgate's ability to to put him in position to succeed. He hasn't been working with Lampard for as long. He's had a lot more change at Chelsea. Um, and he, and and he's pr- probably not got that that senior status in the dressing room as as we saw with penalty gate. Mm. I think it, it's kind of um, it was kind of obvious in that moment that he maybe doesn't have the unanimous respect of, of his teammates that that he maybe does with him. The, the ludicrous situation of having Jorginho being the Italian penalty taker and he's not the the top penalty taker for the club and Barkley steps in that just that situation just gets more and more ridiculous doesn't it and you know Jorginho is taking the penalty for Italy um, at the weekend and is you know they're not playing very well and he just slots it away 
easily. You think, what on earth? Why was he not taking that penalty against Valencia? What did Barkley? What was Barkley trying to achieve then? It was. Uh, it just well, mudd- it muddies the waters more and more. I think one of the reasons he doesn't. Um, I don't think he trains well enough around the others, around Kovacic and Jorginho and Kante. I don't think he's he's as um, as as visible as he is playing in the England setup. So I think he gets more relaxed. I think it may be that it's peer pressure, that he knows that he's got some really decent players around him playing for Chelsea and just doesn't doesn't deliver. Whereas, uh, um, you know, it's they're more it's con- they're, they're more they're not they're not international contemporaries to the extent they're not playing for other you know like Jorginho, who's clearly an established international with Italy and uh, and Kovacic Croatia and Kante is one of the best players in the world. Whereas around him at England, he's got some people that he's probably grown up with a bit, and he's a bit relaxed about that. It's kind of, kind of the point I was, I was saying. Really, I mean, talking of Jorginho, uh, Liam, uh, he did score an excellent penalty for uh, Italy. There was some brilliant, uh, brilliant footage of him kind of doing a well. I don't know. He's looked a bit weird, really, kind of sucking his teeth in and trying to calm himself down. Uh, Pulisic, of course, uh, scored a penalty for the USA or the US, as they like to call it. Uh, which of course has got everybody very excited. Um, so uh, and the other and the other p- honourable mentions I should also have uh, a, a Batshuayi who scored against the mighty Kazakhstan in helping Belgium to a two 0 win. Uh, but good to see him getting on the score sheet. Do you know? Do you know if Giroud played for France? I'm not entirely sure. No, actually. I'm not either. Um, no. I, I'm, I only ever sort of pay tangential attention to the international football because. I'm not. I'm not quite as bad as Sarri. I do think there is something that you can learn from international football, but um, <laughs> I, I, I would at least watch a little bit if if a Chelsea player was was making his debut. But um, his manager commented on the fact that he he can't possibly play well for France if he's not getting any uh, Premier yeah. League game time. Yeah, and, uh, I, mean, I, I can understand why Deschamps wouldn't be too happy because he he does still consider Giroud pretty central to to his plans, but. Unfortunately, he's not particularly central to Lampard's plans right now. I, I'm told that Big Oli Giroud he scored a penalty as well. So we had three. We got three Chelsea penalty takers. Uh, plus, so that puts Barkley what eleventh on the list? Maybe. The well, I, 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 do you know what? I'd be amazed, honestly. Well, I mean, it was so clear, wasn't it? In the, in the, I can't remember if it was the next game or not. But the next penalty we got, Jorginho took it, and I think Frank uh, kind of made the statement. Without saying it, but it was it was there for all to see. Um, that kind of brings us nicely. I mean, actually, just on a on a, on a, a kind of related point, actually, Bobby Martinez, as they like to call him in the media, was having a gripe about Chelsea not playing Batshuayi, and yet again encouraging uh, Chelsea players to move somewhere else. He really is a completely odious little prick, Bobby Martinez. I've got to say. You know, I mean, you don't have to comment on that, uh, Liam, but that's my personal view. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's not the first time he's been trying to encourage Chelsea players out of the club, is it? Well, I think um, Martinez has maybe been a little bit too forthcoming and too willing to answer questions that don't directly relate to to his job as Belgian manager in the past. I, I know you're referring to all the things he said about Hazard, mm. um, about him him potentially. But the thing is, I remember contrasting comments from Martinez about Hazard as well. Uh, at one point, he was saying, "Oh, he should move on. It's it's time for a new." For a new challenge, and then I remember, I think quite early in the season with Sarri, he he was saying, 
oh, I think he can find his something different at Chelsea. And that, mm. so, yeah, I, I just think it's not particularly helpful for Martinez to, or international managers in general, to to wade into to club matters like that. I know, I know it's tempting, particularly when a, a manager like Martinez has been traditionally quite media friendly. Um, it's good for journalists because it creates good stories in a in a pretty dead time of the international break, particularly with these qualifiers where there's not a ton riding on it for the top teams. Um, mm. But yeah, it's not it's not particularly helpful to to Lampard. It might it might win Martinez a few a few brownie points with Batshuayi himself. But it, Lampard's gonna gonna make the decisions he makes. And when you, when you look at the selection so far this year, how could Abraham not be top of the pecking order really aside aside from the you know the feel-good factor of all these academy boys playing and playing well being central to Chelsea's plans he, he scored pretty much a goal a game so I don't think Batshuayi can have too many complaints he wasn't getting a look in at the start of the season he's now clearly ahead of Giroud in the pecking order as as the the first replacement for Abraham but if he wants to get above that I think he's probably gonna have to wait for for Abraham to cool off a little bit Mm, interesting stuff. Um, okay, there were others that have played as well, and unfortunately, most of them seem to have got injured. I mean, Reese James, you know, was withdrawn from the under twenty ones because well, nobody's really said what what, what happened to him. Uh, it was an ankle tweak, I think. It was. So that's the old injury. Ho- ho- well, hopefully, yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's the same. I, I don't know if it's related to the original injury. I think. I think he tweaked his ankle, and it was precautionary that they didn't want any more serious damage. But from everything we're hearing. It's not particularly serious. Good. Okay. And and actually, much can be said. The same can be said of Kante, who Deschamps withdrew for a similar reason. Apparently, he tweaked a groin, but they didn't want to, you know, risk him again. Uh, but that's a, that 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 is a, a topic that I shall return to in a minute about Kante because I think that's slightly different. Kovacic hobbled off against uh, Wales last night. Ampadu, and you know, got absolutely clattered yesterday and 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 went off looking very dazed and confused. Uh, Christensen, as I said, tweaked a groin as well. I mean, bloody hell, mate. It's crazy. I mean, this is the thing that I've always hated about international breaks. Um, you know, it's interesting, actually, because I was talking about this in the pub to some uh, somebody the other day. Jonathan will, will remember this, too. But there are two, certainly two England players, I remember, whose careers were ended courtesy of international football. One of them was arguably you know could could and should have been one of England's greatest ever midfield players and that was Colin Bell and the other was Stevie Coppel both of whom got crocked playing for England didn't they Jonathan remember that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they were they were I, I never understood how good Bell was because I, when I was little he it was I was always watching the the goal scorers you know I was always watching the wingers I always loved a good winger so constantly I thought Coppel was wonderful mm. um but it's only latterly that you appreciate the skills of the uh the midfield general, the ball player, the man who's actually running it, and then you realise that Bell was clearly a very class, a huge class act. Um, but yes, indeed, it's uh, it's uh, they get uh, they get cropped in those situations, and the club can do nothing about it. It's um, it's difficult, isn't it, really? Because you want you want them to do well for their country, but if the country if they're not doing very well as well, the country, then you think, what, what is it worth it? You know. Mm, well, it really does annoy me, but there's not not a lot we can do. But uh, I think that the, the, let, let, let's treat Kant as a separate issue and talk about him in a minute. But right now, uh, Liam, we we could be without uh, Kovacic and Christensen for sure. Uh, which I mean, Christensen, if Rudiger's coming back, that's not too much of a problem. 
But if Kante's injured and Kovacic is injured, we're going to be... A, well, I suppose we've got Billy Gilmore, haven't we? But we're a bit light, aren't we? We could do without more injuries at this stage, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, you know, I think Mount's positional versatility helps a little bit. I think um, you can shift him back into a midfield three. And the fact that you've got now a full complement of fit wingers... Um, means that you don't need him to to plug a gap on the left hand side. So they 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 might get away with it at home to Newcastle, away to Ajax. I'm sure Lampard will want to have more options. But more than any individual player injury, I think it's the it's the collective situation of circumstances preventing Lampard from from picking a, a consistent team. Hmm. Um, and that I think you've seen that's had a particular effect on Chelsea's defending. Now clearly yeah. they're there were organisational issues early in the season and, and they've not been good defending set pieces. We all know that. Um, but I think the fact that he's had to constantly switch centre-back pairings, um, the fact that Emerson and Alonso have kind of shared time on the left-hand side because they've they've each each had moments where they're either out of form or, or lacking fitness. Uh, it's it's not great. It's not The, the success of a defence generally depends on collective chemistry and understanding and if you don't have time on the pitch together as a unit um, you don't it, it doesn't happen and you, you don't achieve that level of a, of, of a really good or even maybe even a competent defense yeah so no I think that's the m- most damaging thing for Lampard and I think if he can get Rudiger Rudiger back and Kante back that'll be that'll be good but more more than that he just needs a uh, a fairly consistent clean bill of health for a few weeks just so we can we can finally get a sense of what his strongest team is when everyone is available. Can I just ask a question? Did 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 Zuma get on for France? Do we know? Because he was in the squad. I have no idea, mate. And I don't think Liam Liam like me didn't watch the internationals. There'll be somebody on Mixler who will know because they just, know everything. He's not injured. Because he seems to be uh um, very keen on Zuma at the moment, Frank, doesn't he? He seems to be, um, I know it's because of injuries as well, but he's not playing badly. I'm no, not, no, I, think, I mean, sorry, go I, on, Liam. Well, I th- just quickly to say on Zuma, I think the reason why Lampard likes him is because in, in contrast to a lot of Chelsea's other centre-back options, he's a really forceful physical defender mm. who can who can dominate in the floor, but more on the floor, but more importantly, dominate in the air. Yeah. And you've seen with set pieces, Chelsea are not a big team. They're not an especially forceful team. Um, and Zuma really brings that element that they're otherwise lacking. So I think that, that that's why Lampard likes him, even though he seems to be sort of finding his feet and still and still making probably more mistakes than you'd be comfortable with. Yeah, I think he you're exactly that. I think he's he, he's becoming a bit of a horses for courses defender. If you've got some great big meaty forward line to contend with he's your man but uh you know with some nippy you know kind of man city like forwards you might want to have a think now let's let's talk about Kante because this is I I think I mean we've, we've talked about this on the show quite a lot over the last few weeks and this is increasingly a worry I think uh and I just wonder if if the last four years is beginning to take its toll and I wonder also, Liam, whether actually they need to bite the bullet and just like give him a proper, proper rest, maybe a month, six weeks, you know, just let him absolutely recover. Because what I fear, I fear two things, really. One is every time he comes back, plays a couple of games, tweaks something else, which quite often happens, doesn't it, with these kind of injuries. Or secondly, he might just completely break down and he won't be the same player again. I mean, that's quite drastic, but uh, you, you get where I'm coming from, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the single most worrying thing 
for Chelsea right now because Kante remains, despite the fact they've had to play without him and they've won without him at times this season, he does remain their most important player. Um, And the the biggest worry about his injuries is that they've all been slightly different. So he had that knee injury hanging over from the Europa League final that he played it magnificently through in Baku, um, but clearly had consequences for, for his summer. And then he picks up the ankle, the ankle sprain, which disrupts his start to the season. And now he's getting these little muscular niggles, um, which can sometimes happen when you're, when you're coming back from more serious injuries. But it is a little bit of a, a concern that it always seems to be something else that's, that's breaking down, especially when you're talking about a player who, you know, I, I think Kante's a, he, he's become a, a magnificently complete midfielder. And I think his technical ability is incredibly underrated, as is his positional intelligence, but so much, so much of what makes him a transcendent player is the fact that he is able to um, cover so much ground and able to, you know, be that sort of seek and destroy um, midfield disruptor. And that, that requires being healthy. And and, and if he's not healthy, then he, he can't, he can't do his primary, his primary function anywhere near as well. And so that, that's a little bit of a concern. I, I don't think it's got to the stage, like you say, where Lampard will conclude he just has to give him a, a long rest. I think that the tricky thing about this is it, he's kind of in an in-between stage where he's he's not fit because he's not playing consistently, but he's he's not really injured either. He's just picking up these small problems which are disrupting him and, and keeping him in this sort of, I don't know, almost purgatorial state of, mm. of, of coming back from injury, which... You, you often saw with, with with Arsenal players, I think, under Arsene Wenger as well. It's a real worry, Jonathan, isn't it? Because, I mean, as Liam, Liam was alluding to there, I mean, he, I, I've been saying this for ages, that he's our one world-class player uh, and, and to lose him for any amount of time is, is terrible for us. But actually, I would rather we got him fit and proper and, and actually bite that bullet, I think. Um, I don't even know what fit and proper is for him. It may be that they get him supposedly fit and proper and he then mm. tweaks something again. Um, um, it's true. It's a, it's a toss-up, isn't it, whether uh, he just tries to play him when he feels fine and he doesn't isn't limping. Um, uh, he might end up playing the whole of the season like that. Uh, uh, it's tricky or he just paces him so he plays in very specific games, um, uh, hoping that he, he lasts. Um I don't know whether he can afford to to not have him play if he's three quarters fit because he's so pivotal to them. Because um, as you say, Chidge, he is indeed the uh, he's the top player in the side and he makes it work. I mean, not to say that we won't um, we won't win games without him, but it really does cement it. And mm. uh, he is the. Uh, it, it would be nice to have a couple more players like him. I mean, who's to say that ultimately? Some of the Chelsea players will will get to his his pitch of excellence just by playing and improving because that's what Frank would hope would happen, and because he, that was what happened to him, he pushed himself. Can I just ask a question? Um, Connor Gallagher appears to be playing wonderfully for Charlton, um, and uh, did he play in the under twenty one game? Is that yet to be played? The uh, the under twenty ones are playing tomorrow. Uh, it's tomorrow, is it? He, we'll I see. I'm just in. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by him as a player because he, all I ever seem to see him is in scoring. You know, he's another shot of him scoring or providing an assist. And um, Bowyer came out in the standard just saying he thought he was a phenomenal player. 
And it's just interesting to see there is somebody so good once again who's only eighteen, who's yeah. uh, who's uh, coming out of the youth of the youth setup. It's um, uh, it's it's terrific. It's yeah, terrific. he's he, he certainly established himself. I think as the as the next one on the bubble, as it were, um, yeah. with what he's done at Charlton so far. And I think he's I think he's surprised a lot of people, um, including people at Chelsea, with just how how much he's hit the ground running at Charlton. And he's what I like about Gallagher is he he's been a different type of midfielder um, from from game to game, sort of in in a lot of his youth career and. Even even at Charlton, he's been used in a couple of different positions. Although primarily, it's been on, I think, the right of a midfield diamond. Um, but he, he he gets forward a lot. I th- something obviously Lampard will appreciate. He's he's particularly good at timing his runs into the box and and getting himself. I think Bo- Bowie has been encouraging that. I mean, actually, it, it, it's a rather fortuitous uh, pairing, really. Yeah. Because um, Bowie has just encouraged him uh, non-stop, and he's he's. He's the perfect man to be doing that, really, because he—that's what he did. He was very combative yeah. as a midfielder mm. and played for some very, um, for some top teams at very, at very good phases of their of their um, of their success. You know, the Leeds team that he played for was was pretty good at the time. I think was was he in the European side? He was. He, he was. was. Yeah. 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 I, I, so you know, so you're you're dealing with a fact in a sense. It's it's like having Frank teaching you. Here yeah. he is in a in a lower division, um, being taught all the all the tricks of the trade by a, a, a really competitive guy that Bowyer was. Absolutely, J.K. I think people a lot of people forget about Bowyer because other aspects of his reputation at times have preceded him. Um, that when he was a, when he was a fairly young player at Leeds when they were on those European adventures and, and spending all that money. I think it was at one stage, it was him and Freddie Lundberg were, were the two best goal scoring midfielders in, in England and two of the best in Europe. He was, he was excellent at, at, at timing those runs and, and, and getting into the box. And I think you could, it, it makes him, like you say, after Lampard, probably the, the perfect person to, to guide Gallagher in that direction because he knows what it takes and he knows what you have to do. Excellent. Well, uh, we're talking of uh, another uh, Chelsea midfielder. Barkley uh, is starting for England tonight in about 10 minutes' time. And apparently, Dean's obviously watching the ITV uh, coverage. He says, Roy Keane's just said Barkley's best position is on the bench, uh, but uh, which is rather rude. I would expect nothing less from Roy Keane. Uh, and uh, Roy, good old Roy Vin. Keane channeling Chelsea Twitter there. Yeah, indeed. He is indeed. And uh, Vin de Blue, he's got a question for you, Liam, actually. And I thought, well, why not? Uh, how has your experience with the Athletic been so far? Uh, it's been really good. Been really good. Um, I, I knew when I took this job that it would be a very different way of covering Chelsea, and they've got a very different approach to football journalism in general. It's we're we're, we're concentrating on long form stuff, on storytelling, um, as many interviews as we can get, and just trying to tell the reader something they don't know every single time we we write which is very challenging to do it's it's easy when i'm the reader to be honest (laughs) no but i I do think especially in this day and age i mean obviously you have a a variety of of opinions on twitter but i think certainly at at the top end i think fan bases have never been more educated or at the very least had more information available to them um because we've all got so much more information available to us on a daily basis, so it's it's quite difficult to um, 
to to tell Chelsea fans something they don't already know um, when you've got so many people who who are actually not not specifically journalists but are performing really vital roles among the fan base doing that on a daily basis you know people like Chelsea youth and uh, you know Jake Cohen with the sports law stuff and um, it, it's very difficult to 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 add to that in a way that you're you're constantly in enriching people's experience but it's it, it's it's challenging but every time we we write a piece it feels that that bit more rewarding when the pieces come together and 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 we can really put forward something that we're proud of and we have to because we have to convince people to pay for it indeed well um i i'm seriously gonna to have to up my game i think it's about time i penned one for football london again i, I haven't for a couple of weeks it's about they're probably wondering if i've disappeared but uh, i've got one in the pipeline tomorrow if you're listening ollie uh anyway uh in response to that uh liam vin said uh, enjoy your articles sending in some appreciation love and dean says really enjoyed all the work so far liam well worth a subscription so well done you uh, right, OK, part two coming up. International break, as you know, affords us the opportunity for another half-term report. JK loves his half-term reports, even when they're not in half-term. Isn't that right, JK? They're sort of eighth-term reports, aren't they, Chidge, really? I think this is definitely half-term report in terms of the first term. Wouldn't... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you've convinced me now. I get okay. you. Yeah, OK. I'm glad. Dividing it into three terms, so it's yeah. half-term. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I've got it yeah. now. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the one in September was stretching it a bit. To be fair. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I was right to criticise that one, but this one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's not quite my daughter's half term, but um, she's got two weeks off. I can't believe it. I bought her a drum kit. <laughs> right. Okay. On that on that happy note. Uh, yeah, we've got another half term report coming up. We're going to discuss Williams Renaissance. We're going to discuss the need to keep the momentum going. Uh, we've got some important fixtures over the next six weeks, and uh, also with the likely return from injury of Rudiger and Emerson, uh, we ask how will we fit the returners in? All this plus uh, this week's parish notices, including the launch of a brand new Chelsea podcast. Mm. fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast Total Nutters and Proper Chels Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast on good old dull international break week with England literally five minutes away from kicking off against Bulgaria in Sofia. So there you go. But we're not talking about that. We've done that. Uh, we're now going to just focus completely on Chelsea. Uh, and uh, we're going to kick this off um, with William. Um, you know, he's put in a few man of the match performances recently. I was at the Southampton away game. I thought he was excellent there. Um, and, I, and, I, and I went on, you know, when the whole kind of Pulisic... Uh, debate was raging you know I, I i i think i made the point on love sport didn't i jk that actually pulisic could do a, a lot worse than just watch william play and and see how much he contributes to the the whole team not just in the final third but his tackling his tackling back and his energy and dynamism and all of that just look at an older senior pro who knows his knows his onions and he'll learn a lot so you know william i think has been a revelation this season my question though i'm going to i'm, I'm going to ask uh, Liam this first JK and then, then pitch in as well but uh, 
I think the interesting thing is, I mean, I remember last last season we talked a lot about uh, William being a bit off and on, and and a lot of the players actually seemingly kind of just relying on Eden Hazard, saying, "Oh well, you know, just give it to Eden because he'll just do it for us." And I and I did wonder at the time whether Eden Hazard's departure, whilst you know tragic for us, but it might actually liberate uh, liberate William and allow him to become the player that we know is in there, and we've seen glimpses of Liam. Yeah, I think I think there's been an element of that with a lot of a lot of the players. You know, when when Hazard left in the summer, I did think there there was the potential for it to be a little bit similar to when Thierry Henry left Arsenal in 2007, um, because Chelsea had gotten to that stage that Arsenal had gotten to with Henry as well, where even if even if they did have talented players in the team, you didn't really see that on a week to week basis because they'd become so programmed to be deferential to to just give the ball to to one guy and just expect him to do everything um that it, it became an unhealthy dynamic for everyone involved and and obviously hazard is a fantastic talent and he he, he produced fantastic moments last year had a, had amazing um stats in terms of goals and assists in the premier league but on a broader level chelsea were not a particularly good attacking team um because it wasn't uh, Partly because they didn't have a striker, obviously, um, but also because I don't think it was a very healthy ecosystem for for the team as a whole. And what you've seen this year is, in addition to Abraham scoring a surprising number of goals early in the season, they've they've had a more balanced system that Lampard has been able to implement, and everyone has had their own roles within it. Everyone is pressing, which Hazard did only selectively, which. Are, absolutely infuriated uh, Sarri at times and, and all, a lot of his previous managers. Um, everyone is tracking back as a unit and, and you see the way it can function when everyone is, is playing to the same same programme. And I think Willian has, has benefited from that because this system, the way Lampard has set up, is designed for, for a modern pressing winger like Willian um, the, the, to try and win the ball high up the pitch, to... To, to carry the ball in transition as fast as he can to you know to to create those chances in the final third and and the final third has always been I think Willian's weak point but in terms of giving that balance to the team on the right hand side um, he's had a really good run of games now that he's finally got his fitness again I mean people criticised him on the opening day when he or the first home game when he came on against Leicester for for his performance and he and he was bad but he he'd missed all of pre-season he had absolutely no rhythm um because he basically hadn't played football since the copper america i think now we're seeing a, a sharp willian uh, he looks good physically but given that he's often the oldest player in the starting 11 and uh and and he's playing consistently well and i think lampard is making a point to praise him because lampard wants to as much as he loves the discussion around the young guys and, and he gets personal satisfaction from their success, he wants to shift the discussion to the level he expects from all his players. And I think by praising William the last couple of weeks, he's emphasising to the group, look, I don't just see what the young guys are doing well. This is the level I demand of all of you. And if you're playing well, I, I, I will highlight it. It's not empty praise because he has been absolutely exceptional. I mean, I, I found some of his his tracking back and disrupting the Southampton uh, attacks absolutely brilliant and breathtaking. 
in actual fact, the speed that he got back and then put in a completely uh, um, legitimate challenge to get the ball and then start the attack again was uh, was absolutely brilliant. He, uh, he's, let's make no bones about it. He's a very, very talented player. And uh, and it, it's nice to see him being channeled. And I think absolutely, Chich, I think he um, his Eden's exit has liberated him. And uh, and I because he's playing much more in the in the team ethic in a way as as Liam was saying Eden Eden was Eden Eden was his own man and yet here we're seeing we're seeing um, uh, what looked like very dangerous attacks being broken up easily by uh, by him playing so well and then he dribbles the ball brilliantly into the penalty area and sets sets players up as he did with Mount and you think well you know. This is really top class stuff. So he's not um, he's not blowing smoke up his backside when he when he says um, he's not being political. When Frank says in the in the post match interview he's been man of the match. Indeed, absolutely um, phenomenal performances. And uh, long may it rain. Long may it carry on. If this is the opportunity for him to uh, to demonstrate what a really classy player he is, well, you know. I'm pleased that we've got him playing at this level because it, he, he he's looking great. I think that's a really really good point actually, J.K. Because you know it's it's all very easy for us to get very excited about the youngsters coming through, quite rightly. And actually, to a man, they've all been brilliant. You know, way way beyond I think what any of us expected them to do. But uh, you know, if you're going to be a side that has to, you know, that's going to challenge for the top four, you know, try and get a trophy or something this season, you, you've got to have. Your senior pros uh, turning up and 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 also you know not just turning up and playing consistently every week because that has to make up for the occasional inconsistency you'll get from young players, but also setting an example and and that's my point about William uh, with Pulisic you know I, I they have to set an example and I think for a, a really top side you need to have that balance of youngsters experienced senior pros and you know if you're really going to win stuff you need two or three world-class players I think which is where I think we are lacking but I do think that it's important that the senior pros do turn up isn't it John uh, for, yeah um, I know sorry I kind of I belched again I've got wind mate you chop off the athun bit That's I, I kind of swal- tried to swallow my belch so I wouldn't offend the listener and it oh, didn't no, work I think Chicha, the balance is absolutely essential but um um, it's also because, as you said, it gives them it gives them something to uh, um, to aspire to. You know, Pulisic isn't gonna isn't gonna be offended if somebody as William plays so wonderfully, despite what Twitter says. Um, and William isn't going off to Barcelona as if he ever was. And that does ridiculous stories. Um, he's going to be with us for the whole season because he's playing so well, and uh, um, uh, and it'll hopefully encourage Pulisic and the others to. Th- as you say, they've got they've got these these um, these great players ahead of them, or these great players who are are, are representative of what of how they should be playing, or or, or indeed as 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 part of the team. They're there to keep them. You know, they want to emulate them, but at the same time, they want to surpass them, and at the same time, they want to play with them because they're playing so well. So it just makes great sense. It does indeed. Now, talking of the youngsters. Uh, I mean, Tammy Abraham's been brilliant. I mean, to be the, the the top goal scorer in the league thus far is is excellent so far. But but Liam, I mean, you know, it would be easy to pick Tammy Abraham, I'm sure. But who has impressed you most out of the youngsters that have uh, stepped into the side this year? 
it's a tricky one to decide. Um, I think Abraham's been the one that surprised me the most because I think everyone or most people expected that Mount would be um, Premier League quality and would be good enough to at least contribute for Chelsea this season, even if the number of goals that he scored early in the year has, has surprised a few people. Um, there were more doubts about Abraham, about whether he could whether he could step up to being the leading striker of a, of a top Premier League team. And, I, you know, I didn't subscribe to people who said, people who used his time as Swansea as like a referendum on him as a Premier League striker because that there was no situation that could be more set up for him to, for him to fail, essentially, as, as, as that Swansea team at that time. And, and he'd proven to be a record-breaking goal scorer in the championship. Um, I, I, I think I've probably overall been most impressed with Mount, um, not just because of his goals, but because of the way that he's he's executed what Lampard wants him to do in a variety of positions. He's he's already been used as a ten um, on the left of a midfield three and as a left winger, depending on what the situation demands, depending on how Lampard wants to set up, and no matter where he's been deployed. He's been able to execute the pressing system. He, he, he's got incredible energy mount. Um, he's always got the, no matter how hard he's been running, he's always seems to have the wind to be able to steady himself when he does get the ball and make a smart decision. Um, and he's found ways to positively impact games no matter, no matter where he's been deployed. So that's really impressed me. But equally, you know, Tamori's been really good and really consistent, um, barring a couple of mistakes since he came in I think he's got a super calm head and he's he, his speed across the ground is something that's really valuable to Chelsea particularly with um, Rudiger being out early in the season and, and as Lampard said I think he cemented himself as one or two in the in the centre-back pecking order having in August been on the verge of joining Everton on a season-long loan until the whole David Luiz business kicked off so um, I'd say overall it's been Mount but they've all hugely impressed me Right, I've just got to butt in there, chaps, because Rashford's just scored an absolute blinding goal for England to put them one nil up against uh, against Bulgaria, cut him from the left and absolutely walloped it into the top corner. So England are one nil up. Um, Jonathan, you know, I, I'm as you know, I've said this many a time actually. I, you know, Tamori's the one that's that's uh, impressed me most because I just think he's looked so at ease at that level, which I really didn't expect. But what, what's your view? Well, other than the fannying about in the penalty area, which they all seem to be unbelievably guilty of, I just can't I can't believe this. My heart sinks every time the ball is passed back to Kepa, um, re- regardless of, uh, of who does it and what the situation is, because all the opposition just see this as an opportunity to press. I mean, they, Southampton played long the other day purely... Um, because he can run. I think he's lost all ability to score or kick the ball properly. But all he does is just hair up to the goalkeeper and put pressure on him. And at the moment, that is a big deficiency in the defence, is their their inability to make proper decisions about when to actually kick the ball away or when to pass it. And it's putting so much pressure. I mean, if if um, uh, if uh, Ings had scored... Um, uh, just after their, they'd scored their goal, remember there was that goal line clearance from Jorginho against Southampton. It would have been a very different game. Well, I mean, it wouldn't. I think we'd have still won. I still have great, great faith in our ability to score more than the opposition, as I keep saying. I just, they've just got to get it together um, d- defensively. So it's set pieces and this bizarre inability to work out 
when they should be kicking, the, when Kepa should be kicking the ball or the centre-half should be kicking the ball away rather than playing ridiculous triangles when there are four blokes on top of them pressing. They've really got to get that worked out. But other than that, clearly Tomori has, has, been, uh, has been absolutely outstanding for, uh, for Chelsea. That's why Frank has chosen him. Frank isn't going to give people an easy ride. They're not getting in the team unless they impress in training because he keeps going on about it. Frank keeps saying in all the interviews... He impressed me in training is always the words he uses. And that was the way he got to where he was. And so he looks for that. And if Tamari is 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 playing better than Christensen or doing or paying more attention to what he wants, which is more likely what Frank wants, because he's a bright guy, Tamari, then, yes, he's he's going to he's going to be in the team all the time. So, uh, you know, I I think that's that's a really good point. Actually, it kind of segues nicely what, what, what I want to talk about, because. You know, we've got a bit of momentum now, Liam. We've, got, we've won four out of four. Uh, it looks like it's beginning to come together. But there are two uh, glaring issues that, that we need to resolve. One is the injuries, which there's not much we can do about. You just have to, you know, wait until people are fit. But the other is the set pieces and the defending. Um, would you say that that's, you know, in terms of key issues to resolve going forward, that's still top of the list? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's it's unclear how much um, Chelsea can improve defending set pieces. It's unclear exactly what their ceiling is because, as, we, as we've said, they're not a particularly big team and they're not a particularly physically imposing team, which I think is why Lampard has gone with the zonal um, approach rather than man-to-man marking because there aren't many players in that Chelsea team that you would fancy to, to win one-on-one battles in the air. Um, the problem is, whatever you do, you have to do it well. And they've just not been executing the system well enough. Um, so that, that that's something they can certainly improve on to, to a point. I think they can at least become a competent team defending set pieces. They might never be a great one. Um, I, I, I am interested to see, though, that Lampard's put Tammy Abraham as like the uh, the sort of policeman of the front post in the way that Didier Drogba was always for, for Chelsea defending set pieces and, and Abraham certainly tall enough and um, developing enough in, in the air to, to fulfil that role. Um, in terms of the individual defensive mistakes, I think that's just a case of referring back to what we were talking about before. They need to get more collective understanding and chemistry in, in defence um, and I, I think that, that will naturally cut down on, the, on those mistakes as as players become more familiar with each other and, and, and know where the, the escape options are. I do think, going on what JK said a few minutes ago, I, th- I think this is not just the Chelsea problem. I think it's a modern football problem at the moment. The, the, the trend of sort of zealously playing out from the back, even when you are being pressed incredibly hard and incredibly well by the other team, I, I don't see this persisting. I think... <laughs> because you're seeing so many ludicrous goals being conceded teams are trying to do it who are nowhere near equipped to 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 be able to play through a press and um it is a bit of a mad trend at the moment in the premier league i expect it to pass there will always be teams that do it of course and the better teams will will do it more but i i don't see it being the rule as it is currently well i think you're right i mean i think a lot of this you know when he's he needs a settled defense to work with personnel wise and until that happens i think it you know, it is going to be a bit difficult, but I do take your point. I'm I'm not a fan of 
of the zonal marking. I'm really not. Uh, but I take your point there as well that actually it's it's not what system you're defending in. It's it's whether your your defenders are doing the right job and attackers for that reason. Um, look, we've got some juicy fixtures going forward. Uh, we've got Newcastle on Saturday, obviously followed by Ajax, Burnley, Man United in the Caribbean Cup, Watford away, Ajax at home, Palace at home. Then we've got City on the 23rd of November. So we've got a, 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 a I would say in the Premier League, we, we've got one, two, I'd say, you know, all four of those matches are winnable before City. Um, Jonathan, what, I mean, I know we, we've spoken about this a couple of times recently and, and you, you were, you wavered between being incredibly uh, positive to perhaps more realistic to perhaps a bit negative. I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair on the last point, but uh, where are no, you at the moment? Three. I, I veered between all three, Chidge. In the, in the same sentence, in fact, yeah, I seem I to remember. In fact, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I said we'd um, we'd win them all, draw them or lose them all. I remember yeah. saying... Yeah, you got yeah. all bases covered there, mate. Yeah, That's just what in I like. case. Yeah, yeah. Well, you like don't that. get this kind of punditry on the telly, mate. No, ever, ever. It's, that's why it's so good to be on this show. Um, um, but uh, no, in, in reality, I mean, what it was was that um, I, I, I couldn't see us losing any of them, if you remember, because we attack so well. I mean, I'm really impressed by how many shots. Just I kept saying we've got to put the shots away. You know, and then against uh, Southampton, we, we did, other than, than Mount's miss, um, shank wide and, uh, and I think William should have scored and the Doy should have scored. And I must say, by the way, a Doy coming into the team and playing so well is really a plus. It's um, it's it's joyous to see actually, um, uh, just because he he really has has the uh, the uh, the sign over the the fullbacks who are clearly scared of his pace. So it's uh, it's um, it's fantastic to see. But um, but um, uh, I, I I think. I think, uh, yeah, we should win, but I think, Chid, you were very uh, practical about it and said you'd be happy with 10 points out of the, the five. Out of 15, out of, yeah. Out of the 15, yeah. Um, but I, I I think the way we're playing and with the, the with the, the joy we're playing and the speed we're playing, I'm, I, I'm more convinced that, than ever that we'll, I think we'll send Newcastle to the cleaners. That'll be another three points. I think we'll beat Palace and we'll beat Watford just because we're, we're, too, we're too speedy for them. But it, it's it'll be by big scores. It'll be I, I honestly think it'll be three or four every time, just because we have that ability to score. Um, I'm I'm not sure what'll happen in the City game. I'm not sure what'll happen in the two Ajax games. I think actually that we'll we'll do well in the Ajax games. I've said that because I don't think they're as good, and they've been held as the best best team in the group, but held up as the best team in the group. But I'm I'm still not convinced they're the same team, and I I, I think we're, we're we're pretty inexorable going forwards. If he, if they're relaxed and confident, you know, I'm. Uh, I think we'll score against them as well. So I'm even more. I'm less um, negative than I was about it, Chidge. I think we'll. Uh, we should win all the games um, against everybody. We might then lose to City, but let's see. City aren't doing very well at the moment. Might we, we might even surprise them? No, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm, I'm You're very, positive, mate. Very positive about it. Well, I just think mm. we'll keep scoring. It's a, it's a, it's a very attacking, fluid setup, and it, it, it scares people. You know, we're really it's swift. It's the speed of it all. is is fantastic. It's the the defensive problems are, are what will be our undoing, unfortunately. I, the the one the one that I'm less certain about, a bit worried about, is Burnley away. Actually, Liam, because oh, yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think they they've got a bit of nous, and I think. I don't you know, like that, them. I think they're horrible. Yeah. Well, they've got the kind of nous that I think could, uh, you know, 
yeah. just kind of show up Frank, Jody, and and some of the team's naivety there, Liam. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm fairly buoyant about the Newcastle game, and the Watford game, and the Palace game. I think that we do. I think actually we 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 look a better team away from home than we do at home, actually, Liam. Yeah, that's very true. I think Chelsea have been an excellent away team by and large this season, other than the Old Trafford trip. Um, and I think part of that is because even lesser even lesser clubs, uh, even lesser teams feel a little bit more of a responsibility to to move ten yards further up the pitch at home and and play a little bit in the opposition half. And that really suits this Chelsea team because it gives them an opportunity to to win the ball in good areas. And when they do. To, to, to catch teams before they're able to set themselves defensively. And we, we've seen, you know, I mean, the goal, the, the second goal that Chelsea scored against Southampton, I mean, I highlighted Willian's role in that in a piece I wrote about him. Um, but, but it comes from like a 50-yard run he makes, pressuring two defenders all the way back to Angus Gunn, hurried clearance, Chelsea win the, win the second ball, two quick passes and, and mount scores. That's the kind of goal that, that Chelsea are able to score away from home where they, they win the ball in the opposition half and, and just do do really quick damage. Because like JK says, they they do have the ability to move very fast, not just in the way that they're running, but they can move the ball very quickly as well. And um, it's harder to do that at home when teams when teams set up in, in their own sort of final 18 to, to, to 30 yards of the pitch. Um, I, I, as for the run of games, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't, hold too many fears on on paper um Burnley away you never you're never entirely sure what to expect because I think they they generally try and give a tough game but I remember last season Chelsea went there and won 4-0 without Hazard and it was maybe their most impressive performance under Sarri I I thought um they they completely bossed Burnley from start to finish and no, th- none, nobody expected it either we, we all expected to get absolutely bullied didn't we I recall yeah it, yeah it, it was it was quite a it was quite a surreal afternoon. It was a, a spectacular. I remember um, Barkley, I think, scored a really good goal that day. Um, so it, it's difficult. And I think also you, you have to be wary of making too many confident predictions about a team with, with so many young players in key positions. I think Ch- Chelsea will have moments where they surprise you in a pleasant way this season. Um, and they'll have moments when they, they surprise you in a bad way because the last thing that a lot of these young guys get is consistency, the ability mm. to do it every, every two, three days, particularly when they're balancing these European games against Ajax. I think it'll be a really good learning experience for them, this run of games, having to, having to balance those priorities and, and, and trying to put their best foot forward so mm. often. Yep, couldn't agree more with that. Um, and it's actually interesting uh, to see, you know, that we're in for some surprises, possibly. Uh, we're currently in fifth, uh, effectively tied fourth with Leicester on the same points as them. We're, we're behind them in goal difference. Uh, I have to be honest, JK, I'm I'm a little surprised to see us there in the table at the moment. Um, but the question is, now, now we are there, now we're beginning to see this side develop uh do you think we can sustain and maintain that um i i barclay's just scored by the way has he oh i missed it yes god bugger he's trouble is the tv's behind me mate i can't i have to look round to see it but there you go anyway carry on god he's been playing rather well as well i can't believe it never mind um i'm pleased for him i'm really pleased for him he's looking such a different player in this environment it's very interesting maybe Um, we can sell him to england what do you think (laughs) <laughs> uh, but 
How much could we sell him for, Chidge? Who knows? Um, sorry, what was your question? I've gone off on one here. Well, you know, we're, we're currently in fifth, which which oh, surprises yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't yeah, expect yeah. us to to, yeah. to settle um, down as quickly as we have. Do you think we can maintain and yeah, sustain I think, that? Well, I think we can, but I think United have had it, and uh, I think um, Spurs have had it. I think they were the main competitors. I think if we're there or thereabouts playing the way we are, I think we'll do pretty well, actually. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's much better than I thought it would be. Um, and despite the injuries, I think he's got such a um, um, a good feeling in the camp that uh, I think it's um, it can only go from from uh, from better to better for me. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, what about you, Lee? I mean, I mean, are you surprised to see us fifth, stroke fourth? Do you think we can carry this on? I am a, a little bit surprised to see Chelsea so high up after the way the season started, but I think the way the the league looks at the moment I predicted early in the, at the start of the season that fourth was very achievable I, I, my, I think my prediction was Chelsea to finish fourth I think third could be achievable um, given the way things look because I didn't anticipate the the scale of the problems that Tottenham have faced I think talent wise they are clearly the third best team in the league um, but they're not playing to that level at the moment and and while I'm not going to go as far as to to endorse some of the obituaries that have been written about them in the last sort of week or two. There's just too much talent there to do that. But I, you know, it's perfectly possible that they could have a disappointing season. I think United are, remain a mess from top to bottom. Um, Arsenal, you, you don't really know one week to the next. I think they, they would be in a very different situation were it not for Aubameyang's goals. So below, below Liverpool and City... It's it's open. It's there, and and it, and if Chelsea can find a measure of consistency, which, as I've said, is like the the hardest thing for for these young guys to do. I, I fully anticipate that Abraham Mount Tamori, these guys will hit a wall at some stage because it's it's natural for young players to do that um, when they've not been at this level before. But if they can be consistent enough, there's there's no reason why they can't finish not just fourth but maybe even third, and that would be. An incredible return from what was marketed from the outset as a clear transition season. Mm, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, 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 I think that you know, fourth is where I'm thinking they might end up. I think Leicester will come third. Actually, I think Leicester are a good side, and Rogers, love him or loathe him, is a good manager too, and he gets a tune out of that lot. So uh, we shall see. It's it's very encouraging. That's the bottom line, and. Uh, Certainly better than I expected uh, at the beginning of the season, and uh, added to the all-round uh, joie de vivre uh, in and around Stamford Bridge before and after the games. It's all very lovely, and I can't wait for it to return this Saturday uh, when we play Newcastle. And of course, we'll be on air on Friday evening on Love Sport Radio, talking precisely about the Newcastle match. And also, actually, we've got Paul Cannaval on the show. Uh, more of which in a minute. Uh, but actually, it is time for the parish notices and. Uh, uh, it's time for me to remind you yet again. Well, actually, first of all, I'm going to say a massive thank you to all of you who have very generously and kindly sponsored me for the big Stamford Bridge sleep out, particularly a certain man who is on air tonight, who's been very lovely and generous. So thank you, JK. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, the big Stamford Bridge sleep out happening uh, in about a month's time now. Uh, the Trust, with the backing of the club, have planned a charity sleep out in November in aid of two local homeless charities which is the sir oswald stoll foundation and glass door 
and it's the big Stamford Bridge sleeper, and it's a unique opportunity for fans to volunteer to sleep out at Stamford Bridge and raise money through sponsorship. It's open to anybody who is a season ticket holder or member. Full details can be found at the Trust website, and uh, that's the Chelsea Supporters Trust website and Facebook page, and you can sign up and uh, basically... Proper instructions will be sent to you the minute that you do about how you can set up an online giving page so you don't have to collect the money yourself. Um, there are plenty of spaces left where I think they were hoping for something like 200 people sleeping out. Um, we're a bit short of that. So there's plenty of spaces left if you want to get involved. It'll be a real laugh. There's some really good people going down there. A lot of the Chelsea faces that you know and love. I know Paul Cannaval's going to be... Uh, going to be going to be uh, sleeping out with us so there you go i kind of like to think of it as spend the night sleeping with your favorite chelsea fans so there you go uh, but perhaps it's not very pc but i think it has a nice ring about it so there you go um if you want to sponsor me it's very easy to do uh, go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash david chidgy and uh, you'll find uh, links to this on on twitter and facebook on the chelsea fancast pages obviously so i shall remind you of this uh, nearer the time of course but uh, please give generously it's a very very worthwhile cause uh, so there we go and now this the let's talk show and venus promotion presents a black history month special an evening with paul canneville chelsea's first black footballer now a motivational speaker and youth coach come and watch his powerful and moving documentary and i heard this abuse and it's only when i turned around and see that it was my own fan I was more deep in because I just didn't want to be on the page. I just want to come off. Find out how he fought racism, drug and cancer on Saturday the 19th of October, 7pm until 10pm at the State Club, Collindale, 16 to 18 Charcot Road, London W9, 5WU. Patricia Wharton and Omowell interviews Paul Caterpill. Tickets £15 available from Eventbrite. Get your tickets now. Our mission is to inspire and equip young people to overcome challenges. An evening with Paul Canaville, Chelsea's first footballer. Come and watch his powerful documentary. Saturday the 19th of October at the State Club, Collindale, London NW95WU. Yes, I did just mention Paul Canaville, uh, who uh, will be on the show, on the Love Sports show on Friday. Always lovely to hear from Paul. Uh, he's such a lovely, lovely, lovely chap, isn't he, JK? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Such a sweet guy. So mm. friendly and warm. And uh, and the, as we've always said, the joy with which he describes scoring goals is just so infectious. It's just uh, brilliant. Well, hopefully we'll talk to, talk to him a little bit about that, uh, but also what he thinks about what's going on at Chelsea at the moment. Um, but as you heard on that little uh, kind of advert type thingy, Paul's got a great event uh, coming up on Saturday night, the 19th, uh, and you can watch a documentary that was made about him. He's going to be doing a Q&A and he'll have copies of his biography that he will sign for you. And it is a brilliant, it's one of the best books I've ever read. And before you all come back to me and say, well, you haven't really read many, Chidge, which might be true, uh, it really is a very, very good book. It's just the most incredible story. You couldn't make it up. It's unbelievable. And it's about his playing career and his life in general, which is quite remarkable. Uh, as you heard there, it's tickets at 15 quid. It's at the Stay Club, Collindale, 16 to 18 Charcot Road, London NW95WU, and it's 7 o'clock to 10 p.m. next Saturday, October the 19th. So there we go. Uh, Patreon, uh, just to let you know, Patreon people, I've been receiving your little messages saying, can you send me a Kerry Dixon banner? Uh, keep them coming in if you're a Patreon uh, member, because I've said to you that uh, as a way of saying thank you, 
I will send you a mini Kerry Dixon banner. I'm kind of collating all the information. I'll start sending them out hopefully this week if I get some time failing that next week, I promise. But if you want to become a Chelsea Fancast patron, I will love you forever. That's the deal. Um, it, you don't have to contribute much. I mean, you know, quid, you know, it's actually all in dollars, actually. But, uh, you know, quid a show, quid a month. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever you feel is appropriate is good by me. And you don't have to do it at all. There's no pressure. But it all helps to uh, kind of keep us all going. Um, anyway, if you want to do that, uh, it's easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And uh, it's a good way to get in touch with us as well, actually. I mean, you know you, you have emails that we read out. Well, you can uh, you can kind of get hold of me poisonly because I get notifications and I will always try and respond as quickly as I can. Now, you may have noticed that there are a few books kicking around at the moment, so uh, it would be remiss of me not to plug these greatly as they're all dear friends of ours. Uh, the first one uh, is the wonderful Chelsea Chadder, who we know and love very, very well. Occasionally, well, he used to be on the show all the time, but uh, occasionally he, he he appears. But he did a book uh, that he just released called Chelsea, If Twitter Was Around When. Uh, and it's a new book featuring over 100 Chelsea fans. I was one of them, actually. I contributed to a little bit of it. Uh, taking a look back at some of Chelsea's most memorable moments from a social media perspective. So basically, you know, he goes through a match and then he says... This has just happened in the match. What would you say on Twitter? It was great fun to do. So do check that out. It'll be uh, uh, well worth a read. You can get that on Amazon and at the CFC UK stall on a match day. Talking of the CFC UK stall, the legend that is Marco Worrell, a friend of this show, a regular guest on this fact. I think he's on next Monday. Uh, and, of course, he mans the stall, the, uh, the CFC UK stall. He's got a new book coming out called Liquidator, 1969-1970, to 1970, a Chelsea memoir. And it's a brand new Chelsea book from Marco, uh, published on November the 9th. And he revisits the 1969-70 season, intertwined with a massive emotional slab of real-life music, love, and following the blues across several generations. You can get that on Amazon, no doubt, from the stall. And another uh, regular contributor to this show, and also one of our main writers on the Fancast website, which is ChelseaFancast.com, of course, uh, Dean Mears, uh, whose debut book, uh, released through Marco's Gate 17 public publishing company, is called Cult Fiction, How a Year Under Sarri Almost Tore Chelsea Apart. So relive the Sarri and Sarri Out Madness in paperback or ebook, and you can get that on Amazon or at the CFC UK store. And in fact, Dean, I think, is doing a giveaway uh, if you like and retweet the post. So go and check out at Dean Mears on Twitter and you'll see a post uh, about his cult fiction book. And if you, I think if you like it and retweet it, uh, you might win a copy. Dean will validate this on my behalf because I know he's in Mixer at the moment. And last but by no means least, I was absolutely delighted to see receive a very hefty uh, package in the post this week, which, of course, when I opened it up, was Tim Roll's latest book, which is the brilliant Stamford Bridges Falling Down. Uh, which is all about the period uh, in the in Chelsea's history between about 1972 and 75, where they embarked on uh, trying to redevelop the whole ground. And, of course, that's when they built the big East Stand. And, of course, it led to absolute meltdown, having to sell their best players, ending up in the second division. Fascinating period uh, in the club's history. And, of course, Tim, Tim's forensic detail in these books is something to behold. So I can't wait to get stuck into that. Um so you can buy that on Amazon. I presume that there'll be some copies available on the Gate 17 stall as well. And now for something completely different.
situation. Took by a bit of a ball to Boyle. Let it go. Nice little pass there for Osgood. to Nevin. Now let's see something from little Pat Nevin. Magic goal by Mickey Thomas. Petrescu, where's that number two shirt? But he's everywhere. Chance for Viali, and he's done it. Welcome to the Chelsea Special, a series of podcasts interviewing legendary Chelsea players from the 1960s to the present day, and some of the famous and infamous Chelsea supporters who followed them home and away. The Chelsea Special is presented by Martin King, author of Hulifan, and Ozzy, the King of Stamford Bridge, a supporter since the early 60s and the godfather of Chelsea supporters, and David Stamford Chidge Chidgey, producer of the Chelsea Fancast writer for the CFC UK fanzine and known affectionately as the Podfather. Join us for a trip down memory lane with some of Chelsea's most loved and revered players as they share their love for the club we love. That kind of brings us nicely to, to our little our little project, doesn't it, really? Mm. You know, talking about a, a, a super... I mean, sadly, Aussie's no longer with us, but mm. there are plenty of ex-players that both you and I know mm. uh, who we feel... Uh, their story needs to be be told yeah. and told by people who were there, like yeah. you, yeah. or you know who can flatter them to tell the truth, yeah. like me. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the bottom line is is that we really want to do this as a as a podcast, don't we? We want to like get out to these ex players mm. and celebrities you know, and celebrities. How they become Chelsea fans? Why they exactly. support Chelsea? Exactly. What's the buzz they get? They must have a massive buzz. You know, you get someone like Paul Cook played with a Sex Pistol, yeah. Johnny Vaughan, big TV celebrity. Yeah. Damon Alban. Damon Alban, who I know Damon, you know, he's yeah. good friends of Alex Janini, the singer who sadly died, good yeah. friend of mine. And they get a buzz off of what they're doing, yet they've still got time to follow Chelsea. Why? And it'd be nice to know why or how they became Chelsea fans. And and you get, I think, I mean, you know, but well, actually, before before we get into that, actually, because we can give people a little bit of a kind of a tease about who who we're, we're looking, you know, to to include in this. But you know, it was your idea, mine. So you know, t- tell me about the idea. What was the idea behind doing this? Uh, I just think there's a bigger story to be told from people who people know about but don't know about. You know what I mean? Like your celebrities and ex-players. How do they feel when they retired? What was it like to pull that blue shirt on? Were they proud to wear it? And there's an old audience out there who know nothing about the ex-players. We do because we were supporting them. But there's a younger generation or even an older generation who forgot about certain players. We've just spoke about players. Mm. Chico Hamilton and yeah, the like. Yeah. Where did that name come from? What's he doing mm. now? It'd be great to interview him. Wouldn't it? Teddy Maybank. Teddy's an absolute superstar. Yeah, and he, he stole the now, sh- he? well, yeah, but he yeah. stole the show. 
yeah. at the Eddie McCready book launch. Did he? He was a bit bothered. Everybody was pissed, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. But uh, he was hilarious. It'd be great to hear what they got to say and what and they're he'd doing do it. now. Teddy would be up for that. He yeah. loves it. Yeah, but all these people and all these celebrities and mm. people, you know, and I just think it'd be great. Mm. It really would be good to get inside their head and find out what it's like to play and, for and, Chelsea. Yeah, and do it properly. Yes. I mean, okay, this is the thing, folks. I mean, if you haven't got it by now, I mean, mm. this is the plan is that. You know, uh, Martin had an idea to do podcasts. Uh, Mark Worrell pointed him in my direction at the, the CFC UK stall. Mm. You need to talk to that man. And I said, oh, you got the wrong man. No, I didn't. I said, that's a, gr- <laughs> I said, that's a great idea. But the, that, this is the idea, is to do a whole load of podcasts over the next however long it takes. And Martin and I, we, I kind of fig- we figured this out. We'd be mm. a great kind of combination on this. Martin's been Definitely. going. He's the Godfather. He's the Godfather, <laughs> and I'm the Podfather. Podfather. I mean, it's it's simple, isn't the it? Cod and the Pod. Yeah. God Pod. Yeah. God. Pod. Well, that's a different one, but we can do that too. Group. Yeah, we can do that too. We can make it into a cult. Oh, yeah, we had yeah. that last year, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Bottom line is, is that between us, uh, Martin and I know a huge amount of Chelsea players mm. from the '60s, pretty much to present day. A huge amount of Chelsea celebrities, uh, both fans and and pop stars, you name it. Mm. Martin's been going since the 60s. What he doesn't know about Chelsea is not worth knowing. Uh, And I, you know, I like to think I know a little bit and I'm pretty good at doing what I do. So I do a good interview. So we reckon me me and Martin, the Godfather and the the Podfather, are the dream team (laughs) when it comes to podcasts. So we're going to be doing it and we're going to call it Chelsea Special. Mm. Uh, which, from my point of view, is in honour of something that Martin will remember very, very well, which were the Chelsea specials, which were the football special trains yes. that, that, that basically British Rail would give to travelling football fans on a weekend in the wreck. in the 70s. And the, no, they were already wrecked. <laughs> wrecked yeah. they, well, no, none of them had windows, more. did they? We'd, we'd, we'd wreck them even yeah, more. Exactly. So that was a real thing. People, go and ask anybody who was going then about the football specials, but they were laid on, and you could get cheap tickets by serving up your personal coupons. That's it, yeah. And your green shield stamps. stamps. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So so Chelsea special really is a bit of a doffing of the hat to that, but um, we just thought that was a great name for a podcast. So... That's the plan. It's for Chelsea fans, by Chelsea fans. Indeed it is. But I think the other point that you just made there, Martin, is bang on. Uh, You know, I I don't know whether this is an age thing or not, but, you know, when I first started getting into football and Chelsea, it it was prerequisite that you, even as a kid, you kind of understood what had gone before. In other words, how can you understand what's going on now without the context of what went on before? Exactly. And and I'm, I'm sad to say I think that's something that's kind of disappearing from our society now and I says no I'm not trying to dig out the youngsters here you know but there is a sense that they're not interested they don't Mm. care it's all about the now well you know if you do find out a little bit about Chelsea's history and the players that have played for us you will get a far more enriched experience about supporting the club now and I guarantee how have we gone from this yes. to where we are present day yeah there's 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 yeah. the the grey bits or the blank yeah, bits absolutely which are going to be filled in for people who follow Chelsea so, exactly so look so don't don't knock it about being a couple of alcoholic yadars talking about misty eyed you know times <laughs> about players they loved about 400 years ago there may be a bit of that, mm. but there's reason for it, and, mm. and it'll give you lot a lot of missing much, link. Yeah, it'll give you a richer context about the, the same love that you all have for the club that Martin and I do in our completely different ways. Martin's a bit older than me, slightly different generation, mm. completely different backgrounds, but our love of the club is brings the everybody same. together. It's exactly yeah. the same, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, Martin, I, I think that's pretty much. Uh, I say this only because I've lost my questions. 
Because yeah. apart from everything else, I'm nothing if professional. Here we go. I found them again now. <laughs> I mean, I think we're there, really. I mean, I, the only thing I would I would uh, would would say is that you know, obviously, we're going to have a website because otherwise, how are you listening to this? Because you wouldn't have found it. Mm. Um, we're going to have a, a special platform that we're putting it on. Um, we are going to charge for it, though. We're going to do something a bit unique. Most mm. people will do this for free. Um, but you know we're spending a bit of money trying to get this together. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna we need our costs covered and things. So we will be charging for it, but we're not going to be taking the mick. It'll be reasonable. So watch this space and uh, and look out for more news on it. Yep. Martin, anything to add? No, that's all. Been really enjoyable. It's, it's been, been great. great fun, mate. Mate, it definitely has. Yeah. We'll do a bit more. Well, the other thing I should say is Martin and I will be doing a double header on some of these. So yeah. It'll be both Martin and yeah. I interviewing people. Yeah. Some of them will just be Martin. Some of them will just be me. Yeah. So it'll be a giggle, no, that I good. assure you. Yeah. Martin? Right, thanks, Dave. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, and me too. Looking been forward great. to it. Yes, yeah, so am I. Cheers, bro. Thanks. So there you go. Um, we're kind of launching it this week, which is going to be great fun. Uh, and uh, I can tell you now that we've got... We've already done interviews with, with Kerry Dixon, with Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, John Bumstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates. We're doing Canners on Friday. Danny Harkins, though some of you may know him. Uh, so it's a real kind of eclectic mix of, of, of former players, uh, kind of well-known Chelsea supporters, celebrity Chelsea supporters. And we're going to be, Martin and I are going to be doing this for us until we run out. And we've got a list of about 100 people we want to interview. So there you go. Um, it is quite slightly different. You know, we are going to charge for this. We're charging £2.99 for each podcast to be downloaded. Uh, and there's a very good reason for this. It's not because we're greedy. It's because we're spending a lot of money on it. We're paying all of the contributors, uh, all the interviewees, uh, and we're paying them a decent rate as well, kind of market, kind of TV interview rates, because we believe that they were, they're worth it. Many of them, are, as I said, they're ex-players who never really made any money out of the game, and we believe that their time is worth it. And uh, there's all sorts of other costs that we've had to you know fanny about with as well. So we are charging for it, two ninety nine to download it. Um, but all you have to do, you just subscribe to Podbeam, a Twitter page at Chelsea underscore special and uh, the Chelsea special on Facebook. But I shall be bombarding you with all of this uh, as, as much as I can in the next few weeks. Uh, and, uh, and there we go. Yeah, it is Chelsea special dot Podbean dot com. Uh, so subscribe to that and then you just click on buy and then you buy it. And uh, we'll have a website soon, ChelseaSpecial.com. And what we are, I plan to do with that is as well as kind of, you know, putting the podcast up there. We're going to be writing a blog giving details of the, the players that we interview, their Chelsea career, hopefully embed a few YouTube clips of them playing uh, and uh, some stats and facts to kind of make it an, an homage to them, really, as, a, as a, an appropriate legacy for them. So there you go. I can't wait. Uh, yes. What do you think of that then, old chum? I've kind of been whispering in your ear gently about this, haven't I, for a while? Sorry, I think it's fantastic, Chidge. You know I do. I've told you this. Mm, I'm... I'm yeah. uh, I'm your I'm your fan here. I think you're great, and I think it's it, oh. it'll be great. But you know, you are wonderful. Your ability to chat about, um, as you've said, anything for ages is is purely. I don't know any. Well, it's not about me. It's about the players. Yeah, I mean, but, some of those also, chaps. No, but also, but your ability to to set people up to do it. You're you're a great interviewer. So oh, uh, I'm sure go. it'll be fabulous, and particularly with um, this great choice of players. And the fact that people are getting paid for it, I think, is fantastic. Yeah. No, Martin Martin was adamant. He thought, you know, it's really important that they got paid for their time. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, so there you go. So I'm, I, I, sh I shall now sleep soundly knowing that I am the David Frost of the Chelsea fraternity. I shall just left, leave that hanging there. Right. Part three. 
this week's emails and uh, we are going to read them out and then we're going to have a chat about remember last week I was going on about the who knows wins match prediction league well we've, we've had our first week and the results are in I can't wait Cheech JK in all the years you've been following Chelsea you hardly ever miss a match home or away but how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV oh Cheech I'd be bereft Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast uh, with Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Woohoo! And the absolutely fantastic Liam Toomey. So good to have Liam Toomey from The Athletic back with us. It's been far too long, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure Good to stuff. be back. Lovely. All right. Well, we've got um, we've got uh, loads of emails, and this week, Jonathan is starting off with the email of the week. Oh, are we? Mm, you're reading it too. Oh, am I? Oh, fantastic! God, thank you. I forgot. Right here we are. Yeah, um, here it is. It's from uh, Aaron Wallace. Am I correct, Chidge? Yes, I am. You are. Hi, Chidge and the gang. Let me start by saying thanks for doing this incredible podcast. Oh, Aaron, thank you. I stumbled upon it fairly recently, story of my life, halfway through last season, after having started an office job where I could plug into my earphones. I found myself listening to lots of football podcasts in order to avoid the nattering of my colleagues. There are some great podcasts out there, but very often analysis of Chelsea games were a lot briefer and skipped over in favour of the collective wanking over Klopp 
or Guardiola's admittedly fantastic achievements, the love-in for the people's team Spurs love how their best years are coming to an end and still no trophy, or the demise of Man United. After a quick bit of research, I came across the fan cast. I've not missed a show since. It's so good to hear some proper chat and debate about all things Chelsea without having to resort to the knee-jerking and vitriolic shambles that is football social media. Thanks again, guys. For the past, past five years, I've called Seville my home. God, it's lovely there. Which, believe it or not, isn't particularly close to Stamford Bridge. Ever since then, I've been dreaming of Chelsea being drawn against Sevilla or even Real Betis. I've been to both of them in European competition. Last season, it came within seconds of coming true, but Sevilla crashed out in the last minute of extra time against Slavia Prague, who, of course, would then go on to draw Chelsea. Now, Valencia is no short trip from where I am, but it's a damn sight closer than any game of theirs will be for a long time. Not just that, but given our loss at home to Valencia, it probably means this game will be no dead rubber and have significance for who qualifies or not. Finally, who wouldn't want to see this young, exciting and fantastic team led by none other than the legend that is Frank Lampard? Now, I seem to remember Chidge mentioning something about having to pick up tickets in person from the ticket office of every game. He didn't sound too impressed. I checked the website. Sure enough, that seems to be the case, which unfortunately dashes my dream for another season, at least until Chelsea drop into the Europa and draw Sevilla, of course. I could sit with Valencia fans, but where's the fun in that? So the reason I write to you today is in the hope that perhaps you guys know of any any way of getting around this tricky situation. If you know of any supporters clubs in Spain who might organise tickets, websites where season ticket holders sell their tickets, any information at all, I'd be absolutely delighted. Right now, I'd even consider buying one off a tout outside the stadium on the night, although it would probably mean no money to get home. Anyway, enough pleading from me. Take care, guys. Keep up the good work. And if Chelsea ever do make it to Seville, allow me to buy you all a canna or five to celebrate. And a cafe con leche for Jonathan. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely right. Thanks, Thanks Aaron. Brilliant. Uh, Jonathan, what, what's a canna? Uh, a canna. It's one of those um, cans, isn't it? Or five, isn't it? A beer. I don't know. Beer, I like the sound of it. Beer can or five to celebrate. Yeah, that's why it's all. There are five of them, Chidge. So, all right. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, Aaron, the bad news is, mate, you're absolutely right. I mean, basically, Chelsea have uh, introduced, I think, oh, going, basically, it was after the Paris incident with the, with the tube. But uh, you now, I mean, there is a, a European away scheme, which is pretty tight and locked down. Um, but now, if you buy a ticket, to, you have to be on the scheme to buy a ticket to a European away, and then you have to pick it up. Uh, about a couple of hours before the match starts from a designated place that Chelsea designate and you have to provide your passport in order to produce your ticket. So you've got no chance of getting a ticket in the Chelsea end because if somebody, well, you, you know, you just can't pick it up unless it's the actual person itself. There's been all sorts of hoo-ha about people being ill at the last second and can't shift their ticket on. It's an absolute nightmare. Um your best bet, I suspect, and uh, I do not condone this, of course. Uh, you know, you're going to get mugged off by a tout, no doubt. You might be better off actually just because you're in Spain, is is buying a ticket through Valencia. Actually, you know, getting it in their end. I mean, again, I wouldn't condone that. But if you want, I mean, I you know, I've known people who've done that, and I mean, Jonathan sat in 
you know, home ends are, are, are away games quite happily. You have to sit on your hands. Uh, but, you know, if you want to see the game, then that's about the best I can I can suggest. I'm, I'm sorry to be so depressing about that, Aaron, but I'm afraid that that is kind of really just what the club have imposed, I'm afraid. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, but there you go. Sorry about that. It's a shame, isn't it, JK? Yes, but, I, you know, if you can... If you can manage it i would try and get one i know you don't want to by the the sounds of it aaron but uh, um if you can at least just to watch the boys um sit in the uh, the opposition end knowing you'll get a ticket i think it's worth it as long as you don't you know leap up and get beaten to a pulp by the opposition fans but you know but it, it, then you're at least experiencing at least you were there and you're seeing what happened rather than miss out you've got the opportunity to do that you know i remember going to the cop and uh, um, getting there late and buying a ticket to watch Liverpool Chelsea and just standing in the cop. I didn't, um, you know, I, I, when we scored, um, I didn't, uh, or anything good happened, I, I didn't, I, I kept, as Chidge said metaphorically, I'm sitting on my hands. I'm just, uh, I'm just taking it all in, you know, it, it's taking the experience in of watching the team. And I've done that a lot, done that to, particularly when there have been games where, there haven't been any tickets available and I've been working nearby or just knew I could get there. I've, I've just gone in and bought a ticket from the, from the home um, box office. You know, you can nearly always find one that somebody's handed back or something that's, they haven't sold out completely. So I, I would, I would, I would try and do that because it, it's, it's great being able to see you, see you were there watching the team, you know, whether, the, whether, whether you're in the home or away end, uh, it's just watching the team. is just so fantastic in these, these environments. So, um, that's what I would do anyway. There you go. Right. Uh, second email is from Matty G. Uh, and he says, hello, Chelsea fam cast, because we are fam, as, as you well know. I hope this email mail finds you well. Thanks for all your consistent good work on the podcast. I'm a frequent listener and a second time emailer. I was listening to the Friday show and couldn't help but laugh at Chidge. No, 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 it continues. Sorry, I couldn't help but laugh at Chidge complaining about Chelsea Football Club being liked by non-Chelsea fans now. I've been paying a close attention to the shift that's happening at the bridge, and I believe it's a perfect combination of factors that's making Chelsea likeable to everyone. Frank Lampard is a darling. He is loved by the club, loved by the fans, and loved by the media. His demeanour and the way he conducts himself in press conferences makes it almost impossible to hate him. His willingness, maybe out of necessity, to give youth a chance is proving that maybe, just maybe, Chelsea might have the best youth academy in the world. La Messiah has been on a decline for a while now, and Ajax might have something to say about it, but other than that, if not us, then who has the best academy in the world? He's got youth and wants to play high-energy, free-flowing, attractive football. Most Chelsea uh, games this season will be fun to watch for the neutral because most of them will be a case of you score one, we score one more than you. Throw in there the fact that we're a team that just lost Eden Hazard and we're, handed a, and we're handed a transfer ban so we can replace him, all of a sudden, we're not as hateable as we used to be. I was reading an article that said that along with City, Chelsea games have been the most televised games in the Premier League so far this season. I'm in the States, and because of Christian Pulisic, who had an incredible assist on Sunday, now, I think that was uh, the Southampton game, now you have people who would never have paid attention to us watching our games. Every ad, every headline, and every game here is about Pulisic and how he's doing at our club. That has made Chelsea the most frequently televised team here in the US too. There'll be four 3pm games kicking off and on TV. It'll be the Chelsea game shown. This has happened four times already this season. With Frank Lampard working on this youth revolution and reshaping the identity of the club we so love, I guess you can say 
The Revolution is being televised. Very good, Matty. I've been a Lampard fan my whole life, and to this day, he's my favourite player of all time. I hope he has Alex Ferguson level of, levels of success, and long may his reign continue. Thanks for all you're doing. Excited for today's show, Matty G. It's a good point, actually, Liam, isn't it? Um, you know, it's not just the Pulisic thing, but actually... Uh, I mean, you know, I hate to say this, but these these things kind of count, don't they? Uh, the exposure that the club gets. I mean, they must be chuffed about the, uh, you know, if that's what's happening in the states, which it clearly sounds though it is, they must be chuffed at that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they Chelsea signed Pulisic first and foremost because they believe he's he can be a, a key player going forward. But there's no denying that there's, there was a, a huge element to the to the transfer, which was. Chelsea's profile in the US and um, and I think even though he's not cemented himself just yet as, as a regular starter or a key part of Lampard's team you're maybe already beginning to see that that impact that level of that level of interest which I mean Ch- Chelsea's profile has been growing in the US for the best part of, of a decade I mean they, they were touring the US under Mourinho in the very early years of Abramovich but um but this is certainly a, another level of growing the club's um, international profile, and I think it, it can probably only be a good thing um, for them moving forward, both on the pitch and and obviously it feeds into the amount of money they have to spend off it. But in terms of the general likability factor, I think it, it it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Chelsea have been on a bit of a, a more of a drastic journey than most clubs, I think, over the Abramovich era, because they've often been. Well, they've more often been been hated than loved, but there have been times when I think they were maybe emerging as quite a likable team. It, it was happening under Ancelotti, I think, um, and it was it, it happened for a little while. I think it looked like it was going to happen when they had the sort of Hazard, Mata, Oscar um, team, which which briefly briefly threatened to blossom into something quite um, quite spectacular to watch under the Matteo. Um, and now, and now it's a totally different chapter because you've got all these Academy boys coming through. And I think it, it feels, it feels a little bit more authentic because you have that homegrown element because Lampard is the face of it with, with Jody Morris. And, uh, and um, it's easy to see why people are, are connecting with it in a way that, that they haven't necessarily before. Mm, wise words indeed uh, I have to be honest Liam I, I think that basically the reason I get the hump is that people only like us when we're not a threat and we're shit so you know I'm going to stick to that and uh, and I look forward to us being loathed and hated again I, I feel much happier JK email number three I, I, I'm glad you've got this one because I cannot even begin to pronounce uh, Leonard's second name it's Zubiqueta very good very very good You've been practicing, haven't you? For hours, Judge. For hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Big Chelsea fan since 2001. I really need an... I can't speak. Hi, guys. Big Chelsea fan since 2001. And I really need an answer on two things from all of you. Number one, why in hell doesn't Kante have a banner by now? Good point. Taking into consideration he's mainly the big reason for our title wins these last couple of years, and to not forget to mention the Europa Cup. Hmm. Number two, if you have to decide between these two options below, what would you choose? Winning the English treble one year and only the Premier League the second, or winning Champions League, UEFA Super Cup and FIFA World Cup? Hope to hear this on your next 
fancast podcast. Oh, you mean next week with Blue Love Leonard? What do you reckon, Chidge? I reckon I'd like Champions League, UEFA Super Cup, and FIFA Club World Cup. Well, I mean, out of all of those, I mean, this is one of the one of the many reasons I couldn't stand Rafa Benitez because I I think he blew. Uh, Chelsea's probably best and only ever chance of winning a FIFA Club World Cup. I mean, let's hope we win the Champions League again, but, you know, it's a long way off right now, I reckon. So I, I like to win things we haven't won before, you know, and that would have been, as I said, we, we should have won that. We were the best team in that competition, and it really irks me that he screwed that up. Um, as for the Kante banner, I, 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 you know, of course he deserves a banner, but I, I, I kind of know what the guys who do the banners do, and it... They like to kind of honour players that are, uh, you know, you know. I know this is not exclusively true because, of course, JT, um, Eden Hazard, Frank. I think they all had banners while they were playing. But uh, yeah, I don't really know the answer to that. I'm, I, I'm kind of a, a bit of a fa- in favour of a big banner. I mean, I suppose it depends what you mean, really. If you're talking about one of the crowd surfer banners, then that tends to be uh, reserved for only a very special few. Uh, if it's a, a kind of a us, you know, uh, one of those that are mounted round the the stand. That's a bit different, uh, but there you go. I'll talk to the uh, to the guys who do the banners actually, because there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, next email is me. It's me. Right. It's from Jake Aldridge. It says hi guys. Sorry, I didn't ask Liam actually. How rude of me, Liam. I'm so sorry. Um, what would you prefer, uh, the Champions League UEFA Super Cup or the FIFA Club World Cup? It's a tricky one, but I think. Nothing beats the Champions League, does it? It, it really is. It really is the pinnacle. Um, just to quickly say on Kante, I think he he will. I'm sh- I'm sure he will get a banner at some point. But he's he's yeah. he's only been at the club for three years. It feels like mm. he's been at the club for much longer. But um, I'm I'm sure it will happen in time. Whether it happens, whether when he's still at the club is is another thing. But I'm I'm sure it will. It's a question of when rather than if. Yeah, I mean, I think people get a bit precious about these. I mean, you know, it's. I think they're supposed to be special. So, you know, anyway, I mean, there's no doubt he's earned it, but there you go. Right, Jake Aldridge. Hi, guys. My name is Jake Aldridge from Suffolk. I'm a singer and a songwriter, so you can imagine just how much I've enjoyed your dulcet tones in the past few weeks. Yeah, right. Particularly Jonathan hitting the high notes. What a guy. Uh, Yes. Yeah, enough. Enough. Right, I listen to a few Chelsea podcasts, podcasts, but yours is genuinely my favourite. My father passed away in 1999, sorry to hear that, Jake, uh, when I was 11 years old. In all honesty, he wasn't the biggest football fan in the world, but I asked my mum which of all the teams was his favourite, and she replied Chelsea. From that moment on, I've been a fully-fledged supporter. Whenever labelled a glory hunter, I just relayed the story and embarrassment of us losing to the likes of Hapoel Tel Aviv and the UEFA Cup. I'd even recited all of the squad numbers around the same time. When you think of all that has happened at the club since then, it's really quite astonishing to think of the highs and the lows of the roller coaster we have endured. From the dozens of managers we've seen come and go to the cash we also saw come and go on the likes of Veron, Petit, Mutu, a 70 million Maratta, and many, many others in between. For me, we were naive in letting the likes of De Bruyne, Salah, Mata, and Matic go. And we've been far too busy setting up loan deals like we're Barclays Bank, when in reality, we now know everything we wanted and needed has been right under our noses the whole time. It's incredible to say that as a club, we finally cracked it. I love nothing more than seeing these underdogs finally being given a chance. We often talk about the spine of Terry, Lampard and Drogba, but if we keep the likes of Tamori, Mount and Abraham, along with all the other incredible prospects, I ask you, what is our side going to be like in five years' time? Could we dominate English football? 
As a squad, I think it's all getting rather exciting. Ruben still isn't back, and I love seeing the underdogs prevail. Kovacic looks much improved, and even Michi looks sharp. Billy impressed in the cup, and for me, Pulisic has already shown signs of greatness, both in the Super Cup and the little time he got against Southampton. Callum, for me, I can imagine being world-class one day. What I would like us to work on is not being suckered into high-tempo football when teams are chasing us from two or more goals behind. We must and will learn to slow games down and knock it about a bit at crucial times in the game to slow their roll. Many thanks for all the great work you do. Welcome to the revolution. Nothing but love. Jake. Uh, Liam, I think he makes a really good point there, actually, um, particularly uh, about... um, you know, not being suckered into the high tempo football because we we do look vulnerable uh, when hit on the break, don't we? Because we do press quite high. Do you think that's just? Do you think that's just kind of adjusting to the new system and they'll kind of iron that out eventually? I think part of it is adjusting to to what Lampard wants. I think part of it is is having a lot of young players in key positions and and they they don't necessarily know how to manage games in every single moment yet. But part of it is also the unique culture of the Premier League. I think you see this in a lot of a lot of games where just there'll be 10 to 10 to 20 minutes where there's no logical explanation for it, but sort of chaos takes over. Um, and it's, and it's not even, it might not even be in the interest of either team, um, but it just kind of happens. And uh, I think part of it is maybe the, maybe the atmosphere, but it's, it's the intensity that I think a lot of fans demand their teams play at manifests itself in these, in these slightly crazy, crazy games. And, and you hear, Loads of top European managers or top international managers, when they come over to managing the Premier League, I mean, Guardiola said it as well, that it's harder to control games in the Premier League than any other league in Europe, just because of the way games tend to pan out here. It's it's so difficult to keep a clear head for 90 minutes. And I'm I'm sure Chelsea can get better at it. Um, But I think part of it is also maybe learning how to, uh, in the immortal words of Antonio Conte, suffer a little bit and uh, and and roll with the punches when when things aren't going your way and just learning how to how to survive for for ten minutes sort of go go into a clinch like an experienced experienced boxer does. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and I think that's something that they kind of. Uh, I was quite impressed with the Lille match, although you know they wobbled without a doubt for about twenty minutes after Lille scored, but then they. And they kind of, you know, got a grip of the match again. And I thought that that was quite a mature performance for a for a side that's that's not massively experienced in Champions League football. So I think the signs are there. Do, do, very quickly, do you, you know, where do you see us in five years' time? If we, if, I mean, I know it's impossible to say. I mean, who knows? But you know, the transfer ban might uh, finish, and then they might start buying loads of world class players again. But do you think they might continue this trajectory? Well, I think they've got a really exciting core. Um, and it, you know, that's one of the hardest things to get. If you're not, if you're not at the very top of the transfer food chain, which Chelsea aren't currently, it's very difficult to to get a core of young players this talented. And and um, and I think what it will allow Chelsea to do is to to focus their their transfer efforts, their recruitment efforts on the very top bracket of player in the next couple of years. They can take more of a similar to the approach that Liverpool have done in, in sort of the last three three or four windows where you're you're spending big money on one player or maybe two players that you think are the are the missing pieces rather than, you know, wasting your money on squad filler or doing large scale surgery to your squad. So I think, you know, if you want someone like a Jaden Sancho, 
you you can maybe get in the mix for a player that the rest of Europe also wants because you've you've saved money elsewhere. And I think the other thing is that because all these players have come through together and a lot of them have known each other for about 10 years, it makes it collectively easier to keep each one of them individually because they're all mates. Why wouldn't you want to stay and play with your friends? <laughs> you know, I, I think that 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 is what is so exciting about this this Chelsea group at the moment. Not only are they they really talented, but they, you can see there's a natural connection between all of them. Interesting stuff. Right, J.K. The last email uh, befalls to you, and I and I believe that the uh, young Dave sent it directly to you, didn't he? He did, and I forwarded it on to forwarded. You did. 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 And you know what? I actually did see his post to me on Facebook as well. But uh, but there you go. Anyway. Dave DeBras. Hi, Chidge. I know you're not a regular Facebook user, but I hope you stumble across this somehow. I was listening to your latest podcast, Oh, When the Saints, Saints Go Marching Out, as I've been doing for many years now. Felt so sorry for your overseas listeners being left out of your prediction league yeah. due to the strict worldwide gambling laws. I decided to set up a prediction league where all of your listeners can compete against each other from all across the world, and it's absolutely free to enter with no money to be won. Jonathan Kibble will be happier, as he said on the latest podcast, he prefers predicting scores than just the outcome. The league will award points for outcomes as well as correct scores. Please send this link to all anyone who wants to join. David DeBras has invited you to join Chelsea Fancast Prediction League. This is a mini league they're competing in at Predict the Premiership. Predict the Premiership is a site where you can show just how much you know about football by predicting the results of Premier League fixtures. To enter the mini-league, you first need to sign up for your free profile with Predict the Premiership. Then go to the Join Mini-League page and enter the code... Excuse me a second. (coughs) Oh, bless you. Thank you. Enter the code 588946. That's 588946. 946. I'll repeat that sentence. To enter the mini league, you first need to sign up for your free profile with Predict the Premiership. Then go to the Join Mini League page and enter the code 588946. Good luck with your predictions. Predict the Premiership. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash Premier League dot dot predictthefootball.com Well, there we go. How magnanimous of Dave to uh, do something for our, our international audience. Uh, I, he's right. I'll talk about the who knows wins in a minute, but uh, I'm afraid he's right. The gambling laws do prohibit uh, anybody outside the UK taking part, which is a great shame because I know we've got so many uh, overseas listeners. And, of course, it has been a huge amount of fun. More of that in a minute. But uh, before I go to that, thank you for all your emails this week. We love getting them from you, as you know. We always try and, and read them out. And if you want to email us, send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com. So there we go. Uh, hopefully, Oh, yeah, by Monday morning, absolute latest. Otherwise, they do not make the cut. Lovely. Right, now, I was saying a minute ago about uh, who knows wins. Uh, we've just got involved with who knows wins, and we are promoting... Uh, their kind of little betting app and it's a bit of fun really and uh, to kind of give you an idea of what it means we know who knows wins are changing the culture of gambling by making it social they've removed the bookies from the equation and now you can bet on sports against your mates it's a great way to rake in the cash with your friends and have a little bit of banter along the way in the chat section no odds no bookmakers this is all about the prediction on the football matches the more you know the more you win now 
uh, what happens is every week I set up a uh, set up a Chelsea fancast league, uh, and it has an entry fee, usually a fiver, and a choice of matches. And uh, then I invite uh, you lot to join the league, and then you all predict the outcome of the games. Uh, and of course, the person with the most correct predictions wins the pot of money. And the best thing of all, the more people you have in there. Right, the bigger the pot is, so the more chance you've got of winning money. Uh, I mean, essentially, it's having a bet on the football. So I shall be clean and upfront and uh, transparent about that. Uh, and as a, as a consequence, it's governed by all the usual gambling rules. So as I said, it's only open to our UK listeners. Uh, and of course, don't forget, gamble responsibly. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, now, to join in this fun, you have to download the app. Who knows wins on the Apple app or uh, the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then you register an account. Uh, and then you deposit some money. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically Chelsea Fancast is kind of a private league, but we, we went public with it last week, and, and as a consequence, we've got a lot more people in there. So you should be able to find it quite easily. Although check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, because I'll often put a link up there. Um, so there we go. Uh, download it, and then you click on the link to join the league, or you get an invite. Now, it was our first weekend this weekend. Of course, it was all about the bloody international matches. So... Um, you know, that was a bit of a kind of a... I think it would be more fun when it's the Premier League matches. This week, this weekend's league will be the 10 Premier League fixtures, something that we probably are a little bit more familiar with. But uh, as I said, we had a bumper start. We had 66 players. Uh, 330 quid was the, was the win pot. Now, um, of course, when you've got that many players in there, the other downside is that... Uh, you know, I mean, for example, I, I, I can't I, I can't hold on to this anymore. I won, obviously, but I didn't win on my own. For some strange reason I, I'm at the top of the list, but actually I'm I'm tied first with quite a few people, I think. About seventeen people, I can't remember. Loads and loads of people. So I won about twenty quid, which is good, as did another load of people. I'm just trying to see down the names. I managed to print this so small that I can't actually read it, but uh See if anybody that I know... Oh, happy bird, Nigel, who's in, I think. Uh, he's in Mixler this evening. He uh, he uh, got five points uh, and therefore won some money. Uh, but I have to say that Marco and Dan Sills seriously let the side down uh, because they got three points and are down near the bottom. And others, and Paul Burgess, he just missed out. A few others missed out too. Uh, because basically what's supposed to happen, you get 70% of the pot for first, 20% of the pot for second, and 10% for third. But if there are a lot of people, uh, you know, are tied for first, it's a bit like the right, no, not the right, like the, the open golf chaps, you know, you get like uh, 11 people on the same points, they all tied and they get less money for winning. But there you go. Um, as a, as a you know, just a general uh, chit-chat, uh, I selected the... Czech Republic versus England, Iceland versus France, Georgia versus the Republic of Ireland, Denmark versus Switzerland, Italy versus Greece, um, and Norway versus Spain, Kazakhstan versus Belgium, and Wales versus Croatia. And I have to say that, of course, first up on a Friday night, England let me down because, of course, I predicted that they would win. Um, but so too, I mean, bloody hell, Denmark versus last-minute penalty scuppered me there, and. Uh, there we and and the same Norway versus Spain last minute penalty scuppered me there. I predicted a a draw a, a draw for Denmark Switzerland and a win for Spain, and I was let down by last minute penalties. But I have to say, never have I ever felt so grateful to Gareth Bale and the Welsh because I predicted that it would be a draw between Wales and Croatia, and indeed it was. But for those that did play, um, I mean, you know, I got a thumbs up from Nigel there. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun, so do get involved. 
Um, but as I said, be aware it is a bit of naughty gambling. You know, gambling's a bit naughty, but uh, I don't think so. I think it's great fun. So look out for it this week. Premier League clips as well. Jonathan, are you, you, you're, you're muted, so I think you're, you're showing your uh, no, I'm disgust here. of my, my filthy gambling habits. But, no, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I must remember to have a go. I tell you what, you know, it was really funny because, you know, I'm usually really kind of meh about the international uh, uh, break and stuff. I was actually more interested in the games than I have been ever. And, of course, I couldn't bloody watch any of them. But, I mean, I was listening to the Wales-Croatia game on the radio uh, last night coming back from the, the, the Love Sports studio, and I was just willing it to end in a draw. <laughs> and it did, so there we go. It adds a bit of spice to the weekend's football, so do join in if you want to. So there you go. Right, that's the end of that. Part four coming up. We've got an interview with Chelsea fan Andy Scott talking about his book, which is about his old man, who was a page at the Dorchester Hotel in London. Great slice of uh, London life. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, as I said a minute ago, uh, we are uh, now going to run an interview I recorded with the lovely Andy Scott. He's a lovely bloke, well-known amongst the Chelsea fraternity. Anyway, he released a book quite recently called Tales of a Page, which is basically a biography of his old man who was a page at the Dorchester Hotel. And he's a huge Chelsea fan, as was his dad. And if you, if you like a bit of kind of social history and a bit of London history, this is, this is going to be fascinating for you. And here it is. Okay, so uh, we've got Andy Scott with us, which is brilliant, actually, as a, a, a young man, I say, uh, you know, loosely. He'll, he'll giggle at that, no doubt. But I, I met Andy uh, at the Chelsea Supporters Trust meeting in the AGM, actually, back in August. And uh, a fine chap he is, too. And uh, he got in touch with me because, uh, basically, uh, not only is he a lifelong uh, Chelsea fan with lots of great stories to tell, but, of course, he's the author of a book called The Page, which... Uh, you will find, I know for a fact, on the CFC UK stall of a Saturday. But Andy, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. How are you doing? Thank you. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. It's actually called Tales of a Page. Tales of a Page. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out. He, he lied. No. Uh, no. Well, no, no, you know, I don't mind. I mean, I'm, I'm used to making an idiot of myself, so it wouldn't no, be... It, no, no. Wouldn't be the first time, and it certainly won't be the last. Um, we'll talk about the book uh, in a little while because yeah. it is absolutely yeah. fascinating. Uh, I know, and it's it's about your father, yeah. and I know it's very close to your heart. But uh, yeah. um, you are a lifelong Chelsea fan. Uh, you've been supporting Indeed. since you were five. Your first game, yeah. uh, well, that was nineteen seventy. Your first, you were the same age as me. There you go. First, uh, so you are yeah. a young man. First game yeah. was in nineteen seventy four. Um, was it your dad that Carl- took you? It was it was me me old man yep God bless his soul um, yeah seventeenth of August nineteen seventy four uh, we lost at home to Carlisle United two 0 It was on the it was big the match. Day, the opening day of the brand new East Stand. Uh, David A and John Sissons I think made their debuts that day. Um, he bought me the kit when we won the FA Cup 1970, went down to the newsagents, who at the time, you could be able to buy it and, you know, get your number, uh, which my mum proudly sewed on Aussie's number nine, uh, the club badge on the front. And so from the age of five, that was it. 
I was uh, I was blue through and through. Uh, yeah, first game 1974. Um, my, my uncle, uh, who was a Fulham fan, um, used to take me to Fulham one week and then uh, Chelsea the next. Um, and so I'll, between the pair of them, between my dad and, and my uncle, um, I was getting to see a lot of football every Saturday, but obviously Stamford Bridge was, was where my heart really lay. And, um, and yeah, I've been following the club ever since. Um, had season tickets uh, throughout the years. I haven't got one at the moment. But, um, but uh, you know, in terms of my affiliation, um, I founded the Chelsea West Midlands Supporters Club uh, back in... It was 1994. Uh, very proud to say that club is still going strong now with over a thousand members. Um, they've reached their platinum status, I think it is. Uh, during my time there, we had various events with uh, ex-players such as Peter Osgood, Ron Harris, uh, Pete Bonetti, and got to meet you know lo- loads and loads of people. When Glenn, Glenn Hodler and the team. Uh, during his early tenure when they came up to Birmingham to play a friendly, I think, mm. at Birmingham City. Um, we got we got various fans to be able to meet the meet the players and, and Glenn at the hotel, which which was great. Obviously, um, coming across the fact that uh, George Gatling Gun Hillsden uh, lay in an unmarked grave at the time in Odesby and Wigston Cemetery. Where's that? Uh, that's in Leicestershire, right? And um, it, how it turned about was I've been sitting there watching a World War One documentary uh, one Sunday afternoon, as you do, as you do, and and it jogged in my me- my memory. I, I seem to remember, obviously, Hillston had an association with World War One, and I, I knew he'd served as a as a uh, you know uh, served his time in in the army um but didn't know what happened to him and i knew there'd been a couple of others that that had been in the army at the time and when i did some background research it just popped up that uh, that george sadly was in this unmarked grave and it was the anniversary of of world war one and i thought well what a great you know what a thing it'd be to do if we could get him a headstone which obviously he rightly deserved um and and you know see what the we'll see what the feedback was and I put, I remember putting something out on a few Facebook groups at the time that I was that I was on. Literally that evening, after shortly after watching the program and just finding these bits and pieces out, and the feedback just went wildfire. Yeah, let's get it done. You know, let's let's get this let's get this thing done. He definitely deserves it. So I sort of set up a um, uh, like a page to uh, for people to donate and. Uh, one of the guys on one of the Facebook pages very kindly put me in touch with one of the grandsons. And from there, obviously, we got in touch with, with all remaining members of the family uh, who were absolutely game on with it. Um, they were West Ham fans, and obviously George had played for West Ham as well during his, during his time. So various conversations then emerged with regards to the family, obviously getting... Um, we had to get permission from the cemetery, first of all, because we had to find that George was actually in a grave on his own because at that time what had happened was he when he'd been buried um there'd only been four people present the FA had paid for for his uh, burial 
but there were only four people present and we had to check that it wasn't like a pauper's grave where other people get buried in it uh with him you know how, how come so, it, how come it wasn't uh how come it was an unnamed grave or unmarked grave i Chidge, i really don't know mate um it didn't come out from the discussions that we had with the with the cemetery but obviously at the time he was he was uh you know living in in fairly destitute yeah uh, you know financial time. when did he die um oh uh off the top of my head was uh, it 50s by any chance i think it might have been yeah i think it might have been because he he came back down to london um and he did uh, some theatre, uh, uh, like you know, like work and whatever. He did sort of bit parts and whatever. And he was doing bar work and all that kind of thing, just to basically make a crust. But he'd been injured. Uh, I think he'd been injured at Eats, and obviously that had that had affected him. Um, and I think there were various other illnesses that sort of took its toll. And I think then he moved back to. Uh, Back to Leicestershire, mm. um, and 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 then, like I say, obviously, you know, uh, it it emerged through through this time that um, that he'd been in in this uh, in this unmarked grave. So they thought, what well, a fitting tribute. Yeah. Um, and then from from putting it out, obviously, it spiraled. The donations started coming in. Um, conversations then with the family with regards to what type of headstone it would be once we reached our target. What what type of lettering and wording, you know, making sure we'd agreed all of that. Um, and then, obviously, very proudly reaching the target and actually getting it physically done um, and having the family. We had a ceremony up there um, with the family um, and unveiled it, and scarves were put both from West Ham and Chelsea on it. I got flowers done in blue and white and claret and blue, and we had those uh, left at the at the graveside, and then all pictures with the family. And the family took me back to one of the grandson's houses, uh, who's in Blaby, Leicestershire, who was quite close to the, to the cemetery. Um, and we just had a, a little sort of celebration, having having got that done, which was absolutely superb. Oh, so really, it's... really a proud uh, proud moment. And then I came down to Chelsea, I think the following year, to do an interview with Chelsea TV, which Sadly, never got broadcast. Um, but Rick uh, Glanville had um, sort of instigated it um, and brought me down um, because they were removing the the weather vane and taking it away to get it repainted in the original. I think Rick, Rick had actually researched the original colours. He'll he'll sort of correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he he got the details of all the specific paints and everything. And it was being sent away. So I had pictures then done pitch side with the weather vane, which has still got a still got a bullet hole in it from uh, target practice when um, when Chelsea was being used for some army training purposes. And I think they they just, shot the weather vane. How dare they? they? Shot, they there was a there was a bullet hole in it. I know. No way. Terrible. I never yeah. knew that. I mean, I, I knew that uh, the weather vane was was Gatling Gun Hillsden. That's I never, right, yeah, I never yeah, knew, yeah. I never knew that they'd put a bullet hole in it. And it's interesting actually yeah. because you know, obviously, we did. Um, well, I mean, fair play you to pretty much do that off your own bat because we had the whole collective force of the Chelsea Supporters Trust to sort out, uh, you know, a, a stone for Jack Whitley uh, a few years yes, back. Indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah when was yeah. it? I think a that couple was years ago. After mine as well. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 I, well, I remember, yeah. I remember the talk about uh, 
the George yeah. Hilson one, but I didn't realise it was you that were involved. Um, yeah. Just a quick one before we get, because I want to talk to you about your writing for Chelsea, but um, yeah. I'm intrigued by the fact, uh, and this will appeal, I suspect, to younger listeners, but you, your first game, I, you see, I remember Chelsea Carlisle of being the first game of the 74 season vividly because it was on the telly on the big yeah, match yeah, that's bloody right, yeah, carlisle yeah, yeah. and they beat us and of course that carlisle <laughs> ended up carlisle ended up getting relegated as did we at the end yeah, of the season yeah. and that's the yeah. point you you turned up just after yeah. the most successful period up till then in the club's history uh, yeah. only to see us go down that season that that is what yeah. support is all about but as a 5 year old what yeah. did that feel like uh, I I don't think I really took it in. No. Um, probably. Um, just thinking back now. I, I mean, I used to take a lot lot of stick at school because uh, all all when I, I was born and raised in Barnes. Um, so all the all the kids that I went to school with around Sheen and Richmond, a lot of them were Arsenal and Spurs and. How uh, dare they? Know. They're in Southwest London. Good grief! I know. I know. Well, we used to when we when we lived in 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 Barnes, we could see the floodlights of Fulham uh, mm. from where we lived. We we were down where the old Harrods Depository yeah, is yeah. on the Thames side there. So on a on sort of a clear Saturday or whatever, we could hear the cheers as as, as minimal as they were from Fulham. Are you sure they weren't we Chelsea? Always, <laughs> no, <laughs> but we used to walk from my dad and me used to walk from our place um, over to uh, over to Chelsea, stopping on the way for pie and mash down uh, down North End Road at Fulham Broadway, um, and then go to the game. Marvellous. So, uh, yeah, go. yeah, that was that was our, our pre-match ritual. Um, yeah, and and like I say, I, I was hooked anyway. I don't mean I was going to change my allegiance come what may. No. And I'll never forget. Funny enough, when Eddie McCready took over, uh, he came to our school fate. Uh, there was a, a, a friend of my dad's who, who was uh, who was friendly with Eddie, and he come to the he come to the school fate. And obviously, Chelsea were going through pretty lean times at the time. And um, I had a chat with Eddie, and I remember giving him my pocket money at the time um, and saying to him. Please take this, but you know Chelsea means a lot to me, and I don't want to see Chelsea disappear. And obviously, you know there were loads of financial difficulties yeah. at the time with the club. And um, he, he, I remember him being touched, and, and literally during that week, I received a letter from Chelsea, personally signed by Eddie, thanking me for the contribution and sending me a whole team sheet. I had a poster all signed by the team. <laughs> Marvelous. And, and that was it. So you still got you, it. You, know, we, you still got not, it. They were not going to lose me. It's in storage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that, so so that was get it, it framed, yeah. Andy. Stick it up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Sort it out, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Definitely. Mate, I tell you what, I, I can't lie. I've got I've got loads of stuff like that which are in, in crates in, in the loft somewhere. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's tragic yeah. and I just don't have the, yeah. the wall space. I don't have a big house. I'm, that's the only reason no. I would want to have a big house is so I could put all my Chelsea yeah. stuff up, but there you go. Yeah. Um yeah. now talking of Chelsea stuff, actually talking of storing stuff in crates, I've probably got you know, cratefuls, as no doubt you have, of Chelsea programmes and Chelsea fanzines mm. and God knows what yeah. else. Uh, yeah. And you've got a long association with writing for 
uh, both fanzines and and more kind of official uh, yeah, media outlets, yeah. haven't you? But I mean, I know you wrote yeah. for the Chelsea Independent and CFC UK, but you've done all sorts yeah. of other stuff, haven't you? Yeah, I, I ended, as hard as it may sound, I ended up writing for a Chelsea Norwegian fanzine. Um, in Norwegian? Doing, uh, no, not in Norwegian, no. <laughs> it, did get, it did get translated. But uh, I'd, I'd bumped into um, them, they were over for a game, and this would be probably early 80s, and uh, got introduced to them and, and just happened to say, you know, I was doing writing for other fans. I, I, I wrote for Ron Hawkins, God rest his soul. The um, legend that is Ron Hawkins, we should always yeah, preface did, that with. Yeah, I did, I did, some, I did some stuff uh, for him as well. And, um, and they said, oh, yeah, please do, please, you know, do some stuff for us and we'll, we'll translate it, you know, we'll, we'll send you copies, etc. So I ended up doing that. And then I, I retrained to become a journalist uh, having left the world of print um, in 19, early 1997. And whilst I was training, I was doing freelance work and I happened to start work for Teamwork Sports Agency. And one of the jobs that I got freelance was writing for the Chelsea magazine, which was a dream job. And not only that, they said, oh, you know, we want you to come up with some features for the magazine, and this was in the early days of the magazine. This is not. This uh, is not the onside one, is it? No, no, no. Bridge is, news. This is the, the proper. The, no, this is a proper glossy uh, magazine. Oh right, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, and um, who was it? Uh, Gus Poyer was on the cover at the time, um, and they said one of the things that we want you to do is uh, is interview Aussie every month. No way. And, uh, and get him to, you know, recount a story about a specific player or whatever. Well, I, I think you could have picked me up off the floor and, that, that, you know, my idol, you know, my my first ever club shirt was Aussie's number nine. And it was just like, well, I would have done it for free anyway. Um, but just to have him speaking to me and recounting tales of when he was playing back then and who he was playing with was... Yeah, absolutely superb. It was it well, it was a it was a writer's dream mm. for a Chelsea fan, if you like. And uh, and he used to come off the golf course, and he he just sit down, you know, glass of wine or whatever, and he go glass of Chardonnay, knowing Aussie. Who are we going to talk about uh, this month? And and I say, well, who, who do you want to? And uh, oh, let's do Hutch or let's do Sponge or whatever. And and then he just reel off, and I'd just you know. That was it. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd make notes and uh, he'd say, at the end of about an hour and a half or whatever, I think his missus would be calling him, is that enough, Andy? Yeah, yeah, no worries. All right, I'll leave it with you, mate. And uh, away we go. So, uh, yeah, absolutely super. And a true gentleman and, um, yeah, yeah. He loved the fans, Ozzy, didn't he? I mean, that was... He did, yeah. I mean, I, I was... Uh... Just unbelievably lucky. I interviewed him on my birthday, would you believe, for a TV mm-hmm. uh, show I was I was making. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, sadly, it was one of the last kind of big interviews he did for TV because he, he, this was in, this would have been, in, well, it was that would have been in August uh, and he died mm-hmm. the following March. Mm-hmm. And um, you know how it works in telly. You know, you, you pay a fee and, you, and it's kind of, the, the negotiable is how much for how long. So you mm-hmm. kind of pay a certain amount for an hour. And, and of course, Ozzy gave me two yeah. hours. And, I mean, because basically, I'm not an idiot. The minute he turned up, I yeah. just say, Ozzy, 
I was a bit too young to see you play for Chelsea. And I mean, oddly, um, you know, I was interviewing him about both Chelsea and Southampton. Um, And I say, look, you know, I was too young to watch you play for Chelsea, but obviously I grew up, you know, and you, you've always been a legend at Stamford Bridge, la, 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 la. I said, peculiarly, I, the, I, the only time I saw you play live, you were playing for Southampton, but you were playing at Stamford Bridge. And he said, mm. oh, what was that? And I said, I said it was the FA Cup semi-finals. It was the first time I ever went to Stamford Bridge. So from that minute on, I, I had him eating out my hand, you know. So, yeah. But he's, an, as you said, absolute gentleman. And he loved the fans. And, and, he, and yes. you know, yes. he, he, it's yeah. amazing rapport that he had with him. What an absolute, as you said, what an absolute gent he was. Um, yeah. What a lovely way to kind of bring that little chapter of our chat kind of to an end to move mm-hmm. on to the book. Because we started off with you having Aussie's number sewn on the back of your shirt when you were five and uh, and then ending up interviewing the great man. What an amazing experience that must have been. Um, anyway, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, obviously, is that you've got this amazing book, which I, which has caught my eye at the stall. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm a tight git, so I haven't bought it yet. But I, I have I have noticed it when I've been, uh, as Marco likes to say, tarrying a while on a match day. Um <laughs> And it did catch my eye, actually, because, of course, it's yeah. it's different. I mean, all the books on yeah. the stall are all very yeah. much Chelsea uh, Chelsea books through and through. And and this yeah. one very much isn't, isn't it? Is that that's fair to mm. say? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, the, the connection, obviously, is just with me. And, and obviously, uh, now, as you know, with Dad. Um, and it's, a, it, it's, you know, as I said to you uh, earlier before, uh, this is the first in a in what will be a, a short set of tales about Dad's working life as a page at the Dorchester Hotel in London in the early 1950s. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a period in time when, obviously, London and England as a whole was still in the throes of rationing. Uh, it was Dad's first ever job, um, and he was 15 years old, Uh and he was coming from Mortlake, uh, where he was where he was born and raised, uh, and thrust into the heady lights of Park Lane and the Dorchester Hotel, and coming into contact daily contact with um, celebrities that he would see on screen and and you know stage and and sporting stars and whatever, uh, and it, obviously getting to sample and taste um, fantastic food. Uh, made by international chefs there uh, and just a whole new sort of experience life experience opened up for him and that's what I've tried to sort of portray in the book but obviously you know there was a there was a, a a certain period in time when things were starting to improve in terms of uh, lifestyle and money um, because uh, Again, as depicted in the book, Dad admits that uh, his wages used to go in in his bedside drawer. Um, he, he used to live off his tips. They were that good. Uh, and he was getting into his fashion. And, uh, you know, he was experiencing a whole, a whole new lifestyle. And it, it just opened his eyes, you know. And, and this is, again, what I've tried to portray in the book. Uh, I mean, as you say, it was a, it was a, you know, uh, kind of a, uh, quite an idiosyncratic time for yeah. London, I think, let alone Britain. But uh, you know, mm. growing up in Mortlake, as you said, uh, I mean, this is the thing that strikes me about that. I mean, I, I moved to London from the uh, 
somewhat uh, sunny climes, shall we say, of, of uh, rural Hampshire uh, mm. in 1984 when I went to university. And I, I vividly remember the thing that shocked me most, actually. I mean, actually, the, the old rumour that everybody in London's very parochial, grumpy, and they don't talk to anybody was true. Uh, but it was a very kind of, it was still quite a white working class city. And it was also still quite bombed out. I mean, you, you might find this incredible yeah. to hear. Oh, you won't because you knew it. But, uh, you know, this is 1984. You know, this is what, mm. 40 years after the, the end of the Second World War. And there were still mm. bombed out parts of London. And also yeah. it was kind of pre-gentrification. There were still, you know, you, you had the obvious posh areas like Kensington and uh, Mayfair, but... You know, yeah. Thatcher's revolution hadn't really kicked in where places like Fulham were still quite working class, places like Mortlake yeah. still quite working yeah. class. It's only yeah. It was only shortly after that 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 all changed and suddenly Fulham became the new Chelsea and then Clapham became the new Chelsea and then so on, so on, so on. Um, so yeah. it was redolent of that. But in the 50s, of course, it was, you know, still very, very much a working class, white working class city, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And... and- you know, there, there was still the uh, period where, obviously, uh, guys that he was coming into daily contact with in terms of his pals that he who, who either were working or maybe weren't working, who weren't earning as much as him. Um, and so Dad was saying, well, look, you know, they'd all get together and say, well, what are we going to do this weekend? He'd say, well, why don't we go to the pictures? Some of them say, oh, we, we can't afford a dickie, you know. And he say, oh, don't worry, you know, I'll pay. I'll, I'll take care of it. So you know, half a dozen lads or whatever would go out and it'd be his treat, you know. Um, so he, he sort of, he looked after the lads who he'd grown up with. Um, and one of his one of his best mates, Kenny, Kenny Farmer, who's, again, who's mentioned in the book, was the lad that introduced him to the Dorchester and uh, got him an interview up there. Um, and from that, subsequently, uh, he got the job. So, it, it, again, it's a tight-knit community in that air, area of southwest London. And, again, that's something I've tried to portray because, obviously, Dad had sort of hop, skipped and jumped the various council flats that they were in the area. But, obviously, he'd known that area, lived in that area most of his life. Met my mum there, just up the road from where he, from where he was. They'd actually gone to school together years and years ago, um, and met and had a bit of a romance, and then sort of broken up. And it was a purely by chance that he came back into contact with her through through her dad, through my grandfather. Um, so that don't want to spoil it too much, but that that that'll sort of be introduced in, into sure. the second second book when that when that comes and, and other members of the family and uh, again like um dad's uncle chick who's who's introduced in the book um he will be the next book that emerges um and he's a colorful character in him, in himself and uh what's emerged about him that we knew as sort of family rumors or family myths or whatever a lot of it's emerged to be true um you know and Hopefully, with what's transpiring about him, will develop into a very exciting uh, book, not only to to write, but hopefully to to be able to read and 
we'll see what happens with that. But I've got great hopes for that one. Excellent. And and Dad was a lifelong Chelsea fan. He obviously brought yes. you up properly to yes. be a Chelsea fan. Was, was, was Indeed. Did he come from a Chelsea family? <laughs> he didn't. No. Funny right. enough, uh, his his dad was born and raised in Ashington, where the uh, Charlton brothers yeah. and Jackie Milburn all come from. He he worked down <clears throat> Backworth Colliery Mine. Um, came down to London. I suppose in the early, it was the early 1930s, uh, and became a stoker over at Chiswick Waterboard. So I used to cycle to work from Mortlake to Chiswick, uh, still with a very thick Geordie accent. And uh, yeah, he was he was Geordie and uh, you know Jackie Milburn through and through. Mm. And uh, one of the again one of the things that will emerge in the in the second book is. When the Newcastle United team come to come to the Dorchester and stay at the Dorchester and play at Wembley in the FA Cup final, and, and Dad's there to to meet them um, and gets you know some signatures and whatever for for his dad. Which, Excellent. Uh, yeah, which, which is a nice piece. As well. Marvelous stuff. So there's a little bit of football in it, but it's uh, a fascinating yeah, yeah. story. Obviously, you know, lovely bit of family history for you, but also intertwined with a bit of history of London. Really, I think. Indeed, yeah, yeah. And sort of places that are now gone and you know, different things which we can no longer experience as well are reflected in the book and, and obviously interspersed with tales, uh, true tales, because obviously Dad was there, uh. Uh, of his experience with the stars at the time and some of the humorous uh, things that happened with them and just some of the things that, that happened at the hotel reflected with, with regards to the guys and people that he worked with and came into contact with, but also with regards to the celebrities as well. Excellent. So uh, I know that we can get the book at the CFC UK stall, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. other other outlets are available, right, Andy? Um, how much is it? They, Where can we get it from? They will be, most definitely. Um, I've just got an ISBN number, so it's going to be going on Amazon fairly shortly. Uh, it's available for five pound. Um, people can get it through through me at the moment if they they drop me an email to info at andy scott dot net. And that's two T's, um, isn't it, Andy? Two T's, indeed. Yep. Uh, they can they can get some information, but like I say, it's going to be it now. It's got the ISBN. It will be it will be going full pelt to uh, to get it out there yeah. wide wide and far and if they can't do that they just have to nip to the stall the cfc uk stall on a saturday on a match day and it will be there for a final i will i will happily uh sign any copies that that people well there you go good stuff mate it's been absolutely fascinating it's whetted my appetite to uh to go and pick up a copy (laughs) when i'm next there because i I mean i love history um and you know even though even though I'm not a London, well, I love social history as well as anything else. But I'm, you know, I might not yeah. be a London boy born and bred. But you know, I moved up there when I was eighteen, and it, boy, does it get under your skin. So um, I, I shall yeah. enjoy reading that, and uh, I'll also enjoy hooking up with you for a beer, hopefully sometime soon. Indeed, indeed, we must be. Yeah, excellent. Definitely. Well, Andy, thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. 
There we go. Excellent. Great stuff, Andy. Um, if you want to get this book, uh, I think he's now got it on Amazon, but you can also pick it up on the CFC UK stall. It's only about a fiver, so it's, 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 it's not expensive, and it is well worth a read. Uh, so thanks to Andy for that. Right. Sadly, people, that is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back next Monday, of course, at the usual time, when I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd and Mr. Mark Worrell. Excellent stuff to look back at the... Newcastle match and look ahead to the Champions League tie against Ajax also known as Ajax Amsterdam uh, and in the meantime don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock this Friday Jonathan, Dan Silver and myself are in the hot seat this Friday to discuss all things Chelsea and we'll be joined by special guest Paul Cannaville. do not miss that show Paul is always excellent value uh, you can phone in and join in the show and debate with us live, or you can WhatsApp us. The number to call or WhatsApp is 0208 70 20 558. And uh, Love Sport is now a national uh, radio station on the digital channels, uh, but you can also listen to it anywhere in the world on Radio Player TuneIn or lovesportradio.com. And like this show, uh, a podcast of it goes up shortly afterwards, uh, and that is on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other podcast distributors so there you go right uh you can follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kid the wonderful liam at liam underscore to me and of course check out the website chelseafancast.com and thanks to the fancast bloggers for their content going up during the week and they are nick stroudley at clithero blue easy for me to say at dean mears at cfc gwlb and of course the other chelsea fancasters are at gate 17 marco at goalie 59 at joe tweedy at Grocer Jack UK, at Dansil73, at Dean Mears, and at OJ Harbour. That would be all. It's about time we had Ollie on. He's been bloody AWOL. He's been more AWOL than you have, Liam. What are they, what's, they're working him too hard at Football London, I think. Well, I think we've both been going on a fair few holidays as well recently. <laughs> You have indeed. Well, uh, well deserved, I have to say. And actually, Liam, uh, you know, it's it's so lovely to have you back on the show. We've 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 thoroughly missed you, haven't we, JK? Oh, completely. You're so well informed, Liam. It's great, mm. and so fluent. Well done, always. <laughs> indeed, this and uh, only, great. This is the only language I know. If I'm not fluent in this one, then I'm. <laughs> yep, true. We'd be stuffed if that was the case. But uh, mate, carry on the great work at uh, the Athletic. It sounds like it's been a great start. Everybody I know. You know, as you were saying earlier on, you know, Chelsea fans don't like parting with their cash. So, you know, to get people to do that is no mean feat. And uh, it's been well worth it. It's some really good stuff. And some of my favourite journos are on there, you know, along with you, Dom Firefield, uh, for one, and Simon Johnson, of course. It's really good stuff. So, well done. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just enjoying the chance to work with so many of the guys that I've admired um, for so many years. It's a great opportunity for me to learn from them. And hopefully we can keep the good work coming. Yeah, good stuff. And we'll get you back on as soon as we can because we love having you on. So thank you for giving us your time tonight. JK, as always, you've been a trooper. Thanks, Chich. I've tried my best. Your dentures are giving me jip, but, you know, I'll keep going. How's your leg? Uh, oh, I don't know about that. I think I'll wait till well, the morning. I'm not sure I should, but oh, I don't know. Well, um, be careful, mate. I know, I've got to be. Oh, dear. Yeah, Never mind. Yeah, indeed. All right. Uh, well, inshallah, I'll see you on Friday. Yes, indeed, with a bit of luck. Otherwise, you know, we'd send the flowers. Yes, I will. I'll send a, 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 a Chelsea wreath or something. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Okay, mate. Well, you you take care. In all seriousness, you take care of yourself because I'd like to see you on Friday. Uh, it's always fun when we have canners on the show, so I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, you lot in Mixler, as ever, have been absolutely fantastic. 
We love you massively. So well done you. We'll see you all again next week. Uh, but thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. <laughs> Up the chills! <laughs>